on today's episode of Sports and the World Football Edition, I talk to my good friend Chris Gooden where we talk about the NFL, college football, Andrew Luck, and everything in between. That's today on Sports and the World Football Edition. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us, and more importantly, how you're listening to us, whether it's through Anchor, Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, or Radio Public, thank you for making sports and the world football edition a part of day. And on today's episode, we're going to try something a little bit different. Instead of hearing my voice today, I sat down and did an interview with my good friend, Chris Gooden. I've known him for over 20 years. I respect his opinion on a great deal of topics, which we delve into with NFL, college football, our love of the Florida Gators, Andrew Luck, even 90s boy bands show up, and so much more. I hope you guys enjoy this episode with our interview, and I'll catch you on the back end. All right, there we go. All right, awesome. So welcome back into sports and the world and just a few uh, social media. Once again, it's sports, the world at Twitter and Instagram and go to the Facebook page, sports in the world, go to the bell tab and listen to this episode and every episode, check out the content to enjoy. Now for this particular segment, I decided to do something different and I said, I didn't have nothing, you know, not to have nothing left as football season, but I said, I want to bring in somebody who I respect in many capacities, talk football, talk some BS. I had to put the explicit thing because this is the direction we're going to go. So, and it's my buddy, Chris Gooden. How you doing, man? Hey, Ladarius. How you doing, my guy? I'm doing awesome. Awesome. By the way, happy birthday, man. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Happy birthday. So, I just want to dive right in. Give me your initial thoughts on the UM-UF game. That was a tough game to watch as a Gator fan. Uh, uh, Dan Mullen put it best in his post-game interview. He said in the last five minutes he aged probably 10 years. I can agree with that. I think I almost went in the cardiac arrest eight times in five minutes, so I think I probably shaved a few years off my life. Hopefully my uh, insurance company's not listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> I hope my life, I'm like, oh, are they listening? <laughs> ah, yeah. Yeah, we'll check. But you know what? Uh, you know, I said the same thing. Because what especially got me with the game, and this is what I stressed to people before the game started, I didn't expect for this to be a blowout. Because I do respect Miami's defense. I do respect, even if I wasn't a fan of, you know, the quarterback thing, which we'll get to, but I do respect their defense and I to make it close. I didn't expect a full blowout. I expected it to be... Uh... A lot worse than it was. You know, the last four games of the season, Florida outscored their opponents by leaps and bounds. Uh, Felipe Franks, he was a new person the last four games of the season. Specifically, the last three, the Idaho game, the Florida State game, and then our bowl game against Michigan, we looked like a, a championship-bound team for the 2019 season. Uh, and then... Here we are in 2019, 
And, uh, you know, I, I, I support Franks. I'm going to support our quarterback. But at the same time, uh, I'm hoping that this was just uh, first game jitters. There were a, a lot of mistakes, a lot of check down mistakes he made, uh, the interceptions. Uh, and, and no quarterback will ever go through a season without throwing an interception. But they're, they're throwing one and it's a bad catch or, you know, a tip drill or something like that. But the one he threw in the last five minutes of the game, that that was scary, to be honest with you. <laughs> You're you're right, and you know, and and it, it was scary. It it scared me because, you know, I understand the quarterback position. You got to take chances, and and that part, you know, we're, I think we're both not oblivious to. But that throw, he threw into to triple coverage, and there were three dudes right there, waiting for the ball. And and my question is, do you question? Did you question the play calling from Dan Mullen to throw the ball? instead of maybe running it? Yes and no. Dan Mullen knows what he's doing. Uh, he took a program, uh, and I've been a Gators fan, mind you, since Emmett Smith was rocking a jersey. Uh, so I've been through the good, the bad, and, and the ugly. Um, he took a program, a post-McElwain era, where Franks got put into a system that he just did not look comfortable in from the start. The, the, the Gator-heavy offense, uh, we've always been a very fast, heavy nasty offense um he didn't look comfortable under under McElwain Dan Mullen comes in uh Dan Mullen of course is our OC for our two national championships under Urban Meyer developed Chris Sleek and developed Tim Tebow uh to be stellar collegiate athletes and and definitely with Tim Tebow a, a legendary collegiate uh college player Dan Mullen steps in and he he worked with Franks, saw his strengths, saw his weaknesses. Uh, the young man is incredibly athletic and physically gifted, tall. Um, he's got some weight on him. You know, he's got sides. He's a freight train. If he gets in forward motion, God bless the linebacker going head to head with him. Um, but he he looked like he kind of retroverted back to the beginning of the season last year or or towards the, the end of the McElwain era. And his decision making just wasn't there. Um, again, the with five minutes left on the clock, and, and you're in the lead, and you're in the driver's seat, when there's clearly been passing issues all game, uh, I would have ran some type of, of RPO and just continuously dump maybe some some low end passes, but not in the triple coverage. I, I think that was that was a, a questionable call from the OC or from Mullen, and then for uh, Franks to get in there and just throw it in the triple coverage. And that, you know, that was a throw that I don't even think Matt Ryan or Tom Brady or any elite NFL quarterback could have made a throw and let alone the situation where Franks is at a skill level right now. You know, and you're absolutely right. And and you touched on something that I was going to touch about. And, and that was talking about Dan Mullen because I didn't particularly question it because you know, Mullen coming in is very reminiscent of when Urban Meyer came in. And Urban Meyer dealt with, if I'm not mistaken, was it Muschamp or the Zook era? Uh, Zook era. Zook era. And by God, that was awful. Yes. And because I re- in true story, like we're both Gator fans, I remember when Zook got fired. He lost to Mississippi State. Mississippi State at that point was the worst team in the SEC. Yes. And, and, and they fired Zook before LaPlante even landed back. And and then here comes Urban Meyer, took a program revitalizing, and I see a lot of that in Dan Mullen. 
So I didn't particularly, I'm like you, it's a yes and no situation. And, and what, and like you say about Felipe Franks, I tell people those last, that back half of the season, that bowl game with Michigan, and we're going to talk about the big 10 and, you know, it later, but he basically, he embarrassed us. And this is what I say about Felipe Franks. Hit the talent was there that McElwain just didn't get it done. Absolutely. McElwain just didn't get it done. Like good dude just couldn't get it done. And, and Felipe Franks, I think, like I say, I was following it on Facebook and people were like, oh, you got to put Emory Jones. And I'm like, folks, hit the pause button. Hit the pause button because you got to a understand who we're playing. And this is the first game of the season. So we're not playing like Towson or any scrub team. We're playing Miami. Yeah. And and I tell people and I said, yeah, did did. Yeah. Did two you know, fumbles, interceptions. Yeah. But the most important thing, and I always tell people, he got the W. And I say, at the end of the day, like Dan Mullen, listen, we all had, I think all Gator fans had a couple heart attacks and a couple cardiac arrests, of course. But what saved us, listen, that defense, and I talked about it when I did my top 10 list, which we'll get to, I talked about there are seven returning starters on this defense. And, and Todd Grantham had them blitzing the hell out of that freshman. I, I feel bad. I feel bad uh, uh, for for Williams. He as a, a welcome gift to the NCAA Division One college football system was arguably, and it's going to sound biased. I would say one of the best front seven, if not the best front seven within college football. That's a tough pill to swallow on your very first game as a a, a true freshman playing in an elite program like Miami that has a lot of depth and a lot of rich history against an in-state rival with just as much depth in history that I, I will say arguably has a better defensive statute than than the ACC. Um, but the kid performed. Uh, you know, Williams went 19 for 30 for 214 you know, yards and a touchdown against a front seven that was in his face and pushing him on his ass the entire the entire game. Um, I, Miami, I think could be a threat in the ACC if they can figure out the, um, the offensive line situation, uh, I, who I truly feel bad for. I think it was the, the left guard that was, was lined up against Zuniga most of the night. Uh, he just, he bowled through him like a, like a bull in a China shop. Um, our, our defense looks strong. Our corners, you know, uh, even Kirk Herbstreit, who's probably the most anti SEC, uh, announcer in in broadcasting even said our we he, we have the best corners in college uh, we we shut him down there were a couple mental errors uh, a lot of pass interference that they shouldn't have committed specifically when you're you know fourth and twenty miles uh, I I think you know which play I'm talking about yeah um they uh you know they had fourth and thirty five. Even if the guy caught the ball and and it was an on-site tackle and it, or you could push him right out of bounds as they're almost on the sideline, it would have been a turnover for him to for Henderson to make that mental mistake when he's supposed to be our our leader in the secondary was again. I'm hoping it was first game jitters. Defensively, I think we're strong. Uh, my main concern is our offense and the lack of of use of weapons that we have. You know what? And you have to, I remember that play, and I was screaming and cussing my ass off because I'm sitting there going, I'm like, first of all, it was superfluous for you to even defend him. 
Like if you had them, a you had the yeah, I believe they had the the safety or the yeah the safety in the corner behind you, so he wouldn't have gotten the first down. So to me, clearly a mental error, and and like you say, and most importantly, you know, a penalty on any player is bad, but on Henderson, that's bad. Yeah, you you should know better Uh, when you've been in the game long enough. You've played at this Division One statute. You've played against some powerhouses, you know, uh, week in and week out. Uh, I'm I'm hoping that it was just a a mental error, and I'm hoping it's something that won't be a an issue throughout the season. You know, maybe it was just some first game jitters against an in-state rival. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. And and the one other thing I talk about this game, and I think it's a reflection of both sides is penalties. Especially for Miami, you could tell, like many Diaz, great dude, boy, discipline. You know, I think there was a couple of delay again. I saw, I saw discipline issues, and I don't know if it was so much discipline or if it was time management. Uh, as a uh, as a freshman quarterback, you're still learning. You know, you're learning your system, you're learning your calls, you're learning your readouts. Uh, I. I think the communication factor between Williams and Diaz or Williams and the OC, whoever might've been calling the plays, it wasn't there, which was attributing to uh, the constant delay of games, the, the false starts. I think also a lot of it is you have uh, Orlando as a middle meeting ground. So it's a, uh, you know, Orlando's about a three and a half hour drive on the turnpike from Miami and about two, about two hours from Gainesville. So you have, uh, a stadium that's split 50-50 of just uh, probably two of the most strongest and, and loyal fan bases in, in college football screaming at the top of their lungs. I can imagine on field that was probably a loud one and, and communication was definitely an issue. And then on top of that, adding a freshman into it, that that's a recipe for disaster for game one. Yeah. And, you know, and I'll just say one more quick thing, and it'll be about Miami. You know, if you take away, if you uh, if you can take away, basically, if they would have capitalized on turnovers and and like you say, you know, I'm, I'm like you, you know, discipline. And I, but I agree with you, time management, because and this is why I say that Tate Martell should have been the starting quarterback because you know he was a transfer from that school in Columbus, but. <laughs> that's cool in Columbus. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, we we get it. We get it. And and I felt that okay, he d- d- has experience. Especially when you're out of the gate you're playing, you know, arguably probably and like I said, I don't think there's any bias. I could argue right behind Alabama, probably the best front seven in the nation. And, and the way they came at him, I said you need a guy who has experience. And that's not and listen, Despite the like how like how you talked about, listen, Jerron Williams did not have a bad game. It's just that that left guard just was a matador, and we had a bunch of bulls and yeah, nobody could stop. And and so I took away from that is is that there are things to clean up on both sides, you know. And you know, with Miami, they have to go play North Carolina, and you know. I think they could be a force in the AC, you know, in the ACC. And when I did my top 25, look, they were just on the outside of the top 25 because I just didn't trust that offensive line. And it showed. I couldn't, and like I say, I just couldn't trust the offensive line. 
because of the fact that look what happened. And like I say, even if, if Tate Martell would have been in that game, I'm not saying Miami would have won, but you could have had Vinny Testaverde back there or Jim Kelly. You could have had any Miami quarterback back there you wanted to. That Florida defense. They were gunning for him. They, they were, were gunning. Yeah. And you're right. But, you know, and like I say, Todd Grantham knew that. When Todd Grantham heard that, oh, the freshman's starting? Okay. That's all he needed to know. He, he, that he saw a, a Finding Nemo in a pool of sharks is what he saw. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's but you know what I, I even as a Gator fan and and I was talking with a couple of my friends that are Miami uh, you know fans I, I give credit to Williams Miami played a much better game than I thought they would have um, you know their offense performed luckily our defense was better uh, if if Franks would have been at the level of I don't want to use the term competency because again he 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 did perform to a point. But if he played at the the level of uh, he did against Florida State or against uh, Michigan, I truly think this game would have been a blowout. The the thing that that really uh, puzzled me was the lack of use of Kadarius Tony. Uh, we gave him the ball twice and he scored a touchdown once. <laughs> those yeah. are pretty those are pretty good odds. I I would bet on a fifty percent ratio to score. Um, you know, I I didn't see much out of Swain besides uh, you know, punt return, kick return. Cleveland was quiet. Uh, you know, Van Jefferson did get a good corner catch. Um, but you know, Van was quiet. It seemed like they didn't feel confident in Frank's throwing capability. Uh, so that's why they kept it on the ground with uh with P Ryan, but. With Kadarius Tony, you could hit him in a with a little backfield shovel pass, and he will create a play for you. Uh, you know the touchdown, that sixty-three yard touchdown that he that he ran in, he created that all on his own. Um, I I was hoping to see more use out of him. Uh, you know, it, it was almost like he was like a kill streak on Call of Duty or something. You make a couple good plays, you throw him in, and that's it. You know, hopefully down the road, uh, Mullen will use. Uh, Tony uh, more and more and I think if we see him more on the the field on offense with the ball in his hand more I could see us running up the score like we did against Idaho or uh, against Florida State against Michigan Um, but you know time will tell hopefully a lot of this was just first game jitters yeah absolutely and 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 it'll lead me to my next question is what I say about Florida is is that look we're still a top 10 team and absolutely and I tell people, I'm like, listen, we got to stop pushing the panic button. I tell people, it's not like, now listen, if we were playing that way against like Charleston Southern, yeah, I'd be concerned. But we're, we played a legitimate team in a, in a legitimate conference. Uh, okay, sure. And, and this was a tough game. And, and I do believe, because I trust Dan Mullen. I trust, I trust that offensive staff. They're going to figure it out. Felipe Franks developing well, once again, proving how great Dan Mullen. And if I'm not mistaken, Dan Mullen kind of developed Dak Prescott at Mississippi State. That, that he did. Dak, Dak was a, an average at best quarterback. Dan Mullen, I would almost borderline say he's a quarterback whisperer. And look at Dak Prescott now. He's asking for $40 million playing for the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that point, we're going to talk about that probably later down the because. Listen, I tell people, listen, Dan Mullen knows what he's doing. Because I thought everybody hit the panic, but hit. I'm like, folks, 
folks, Felipe Franks figured it out. Make it, it's all about making the right. That's what good quarterbacks do. Okay, there's the difference between. I'll just use a quick NFL analogy. There's a difference between. I would say a Kurt Cousins, who I've. If you listen to one episode of my podcast, I went all in on him. How terrible! He I, I'm I'm sour on him. That man lost me a few hundred bucks last year, so I'm still kind of salty with him. <laughs> and, and if you listen to the podcast, I talk about well, my cousin is a better quarterback than Kurt Cousins. Yeah, I, I got I got quite the kick out of that. And, and I'm like, folks, Kirk Cousins statistically top ten in everything. He loses when it counts. He 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 reminds me, uh, of course, you know that I'm a big baseball fan, diehard Yankees fan. Uh, he reminds me of a Rod. 162 games. That son of a bitch will hit home runs. He will field balls. He will bat in RBIs. That 163rd game, the the ALCS playoff or or if we're taking the bye and we get to the 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 actual al pennant game he shits the bed uh kurt cousins had a stellar season he has weapons with him he had dalvin cook until he got hurt uh and then he even had latavius murray in the backfield uh tearing it up he has stefan diggs adam thielen uh both of them arguably i would say i would even throw out there they're both top 10 wideouts uh, I know that Adam Thielen definitely uh, saved my ass a couple times in my fantasy leagues. Uh, I think even against you, actually, when when we lined up one week, Thielen was the uh, was my saving grace from uh, for delivering yeah. UNL. But oh, uh, oh yeah, I remember. Just like but, Pepper Farms, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. And I'm like but, that son of a bitch. I'm like, <laughs> but no, uh, you know, Frank's. We're going to see this season. We've got, you know, luckily we get our season opener gimme game uh, on the seventh against, you know, Martin, Tennessee. But we go right into the the, the fire pit. Uh, we, you know, we play Kentucky uh, in Kentucky. You know, they squeaked by a game on us last year. Uh, you know, right after that, we Tennessee comes to us. Then we get another gimme game, and then we go uh, Auburn, LSU, South Carolina. You know, so arguably we have three top twenty-five teams right and smack dab in the middle of the season. And then of course, you know, we got Georgia, you know, for the Halloween game, uh, you know, and then Vandy, Mizzou and Florida state. So we, we got a tough schedule ahead of us. Hopefully they'll work out the kinks uh, on, on Tennessee Martin. They can collect their paycheck for uh, getting televised. Um, and we can beat them up a little bit. Franks can find himself. However, I'm not saying like you said, to hit the panic button, but he has to understand that, we know Emory Jones is capable. Yeah. And uh, Frank's, this is his time to shine. This is neither going to be the, you know what, I'm the answer, or he needs to sit back and, and you know, let someone else take the job. Uh, you know, one thing that kind of pissed me off a little bit is I saw him behind the the, uh, the bench, which is, of course, rule one, you don't do that until post game. He's back there messing with fans and things like you're not good enough to, you know, you're throwing interceptions. You're making a lot of mental errors. You don't, you don't rate that right now. You know, get, get, get some better plays on your belt. Start making decisions. If he was blowing Miami out and he was just shredding them like he did against uh, Michigan or Florida state, God bless you, son, but keep, keep your personality on the field and translate it into, uh, and, and, into, you know, better choices and better decision-making, not throwing an inter- an interception uh, on a three-to-one ratio uh, against defensive backs to wideouts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, and I think Herb Street kind of called him out on that. Yes, and, yeah, and- well, well, Steve Spurrier's face called him out on that. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Spurrier's face reminded me, uh, you remember, uh, did you see the, the movie Gladiator with um, 
that oh, was the British actor. Oh, Russell, not Russell. Russell Crowe. Crow. I remember every remember every time uh, Julius Caesar wanted somebody dead, he gave that ugly look and the thumbs down. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was I was waiting for the thumbs down and then off with <laughs> off Frank's head right there because we all know who runs the show there. It, Mullen might be the coach, but uh, Spurrier's daddy to Florida. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you know, the, only other, the only other thing I wanted to touch on because I know we got some other topics to cover is the balls that Mullen has. Uh, you you definitely saw the meme that I posted on Facebook during the game of uh, Dan Marsh's dad with his nuts in the wheelbarrow. Exactly. Uh, that was Dan Mullen. That fake punt that Tommy... Number one, I didn't even know Tommy could run that fast. I've been to many, many Gator games and watched both him and his brother play and practice and things like that. That kid has some wheels on him. Hats off to Tommy for getting that fake punt for us. And then just going forward on fourth down, Mullen, he put his cards on the table and said, stop me, I dare you. And thankfully, our fourth down conversion was significantly better than our, our third down conversion. So hats off to Mullen, balls on the table for that one. Exactly. You know what? You're absolutely right. And, you know, quick before we go on, the, you know, that thumbs down thing, I, it reminded me of wrestling. It reminded me of, like, Attitude Era. It reminded me of, of when it was, of when it was. I think it was, it was Evolution had Triple H, Flair, yep. Batista, and uh, oh, who am I? Or, I think Orton, Batista, Triple H, and Flair, and Orton had just won the championship, and Batista had him on his shoulders. Yeah, so Triple H had his thumbs up, and then, yep. and then during the celebration, he puts them down, and yep. then, and then Batista. I'm like, that's what it reminded me of too. And I'm like, Jesus. I said, first of all, it made me miss the attitude there. Because I don't know how I remember that, but I remember because, first of all, the acting was hilarious. Yeah, it was. I, I miss Sable. That's who I miss. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Brock Lesnar, that lucky bastard. Yeah. But, truth be told. Truth be told. But, you know, I want to get into your, you know, back to college football. Like, so many, who, your top 10? Because I did my top 10. I'm curious on your top 10 teams right now in college football. Well, I'm going to go ahead and make some enemies out of this. Uh, you want to start from 10 and go to 1 or 1 go to 10? Oh, oh, yeah. Do the dramatic. We'll go 10 to 1. All right, 10 to 1. So here, here's my top 10 uh, on this going from 10 to 1. Uh, I'm going to start off at number 10. I'm going to go with Texas A&M. There's a lot of potential in that program. That SEC West, of course, everyone states that the SEC West controls the SEC, which to a point I do agree with because the East is Florida and Georgia, and that's really about it. Uh, A&M's got a, a, a strong program, an up-and-coming program. Uh, I see them being a a threat, um, all, plain and simple. Uh, you know, coming in at number nine, everyone knows my dislike for the, the entire division, but I'm going to give Washington the number nine seat. Um I don't believe in the Pac-12. I believe that they're almost borderline minor league. Um, Washington came out. They they played some hard ball, and they're. I, I think them and, and Utah are going to put the Pac-12 on the market. I think the Stanford USC days are long gone. Um, we'll see where we'll see where Washington stands. Uh, you know, coming in at number eight, Texas. Uh, Texas. I, I don't want to say they're back, but after last year's performance. The Big 12 just got a mighty, mighty shock. Uh, you know, I, I'm curious to see where where we're going to sit with that. Uh, you know, next, Florida, you know, sitting in at the number seven. We're definitely knocking on the door. Uh, we proved ourselves 
Uh, ESPN actually has Florida ranked at number eight and Michigan at number seven. I don't understand that because we definitely put a complete shit stomping on them. But to each his own, I know everyone hates the SEC, but the SEC, so we'll let it slide. Um, as much as it pains me to say this, uh, you know, at number six, Ohio State, uh, I I believe that they're a very overhyped program. I believe that their conference is probably one of the more dismal ones. Um Look who they play all season, Cincinnati, uh, uh, Minnesota. I mean, they might as well throw some community colleges in there while they're at it. Um, if, if they played tougher teams year in and year out, uh, you know, I'd like to – I would give them some credit. But they've got a very easy path to the playoff system and a very jaded one. If you remember a couple years ago, they, they got into the playoff system over Penn State after Penn State beat them for the Big Ten title. Again, to each his own. Uh, you know, next I'm going to go with LSU, uh, you know, knocking at the number five seat. LSU is a very dangerous team. I believe that they, I think they would have made the playoffs last year if, uh, we didn't serve them that loss. I think that definitely threw them for a loop, but they're still a very strong program, up and coming quarterback, wide outs that are very fast and very dangerous. Uh, breaking into the top four, this is where it starts getting important is, uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma's, you know, they 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 played dangerously last year, and uh, I'm curious to see what they're going to do this year. You know, some you know some different players coming in and out. Uh, you know, I'm I'm curious to see number three University of Georgia. Unfortunately, the Bulldogs they they're there. They they are there. Um, they played well. You know, they did play uh, Alabama for the national championship the year before. They did well with it. Uh, Alabama squeaked by Georgia's, uh, they're a contender. They've got a great defense. They've got a great offense. Uh, special teams is there. Uh, they're, they're an all around program. Um, you know, then of course, sitting at number two is Bama. I don't know what Nick Saban does. I don't know if he holds these kids' parents hostage in a basement somewhere or I don't, I, I don't, I don't understand it. He's a, he's a recruiting genius. He is he as much as I hate the man in the NFL, Bill Belichick, he is the Bill Belichick of college. He takes average these three and four star recruits and wins a national championship with them. Uh, the only downfall is, of course, is he burns them out by the time they get to the NFL. So they're not worth a shit when they get to uh, the draft. But oh, well. Um, and then number one right now, Clemson, uh, you know. Uh, we touched on wrestling. I remember a very famous wrestler said, in order to be the man, you got to beat the man. Um, and when they take national championships, they've done it to Bama before, and they put them at number two or number three when they won the year before. I, I think that's it's a slap in the face of the trophy into the, the previous winner. And, you know, I, I definitely think that Clemson's still number one. Dabo Sweeney, same thing. Dabo is... He is creating a program uh, out there that is putting the ACC back on the map. Uh, and, you know, I'm a little biased against the ACC, mainly just because I don't like Florida State. But Clemson's there, and uh, they're they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. You know, I, I was listening, and I'm writing yours down because I have uh, – because, as you know, I did my top ten as well. Throughout my podcast, I did mine. And and I said, you know, I think we, we have – you know, we have the same teams except for one on our list. And, and, and the thing is, they're not that far apart because because you brought up a point about a team that I was skeptical about. But then once again, the beauty of research, you know, 
we we agree, and you know, because my number ten team that I did through my pocket, I had I had Texas A and M eleven. Okay. I had them eleven, and it's simply because, listen, I I like Jimbo, like you know, like I, I may like the man when he's at FSU, but listen, he knows, he he understands offense, and they can say, oh, he took the money. It's SEC money. It's good money. Yes. So, it is. so. <laughs> So he and and what he's done just getting there, he's got a great junior quarter, Kellen Mond. He's gonna make that dude maybe if they gotta win game. And I tell people the thing about the SEC is is that listen, we don't have to necessarily play you know out you know you know teams in bigger conferences because we play each other. Yeah, and we're the, we're the best conference in college football, and people are like, oh no. I said no, and I tell people. At Texas A&M, and I, I say, listen, they got a tough schedule. And and I like Killing Mond, and I like that. And I had them at number 10. You know, my number 10 I had was Notre Dame. And, Overrated. Over, oh, and, Notre Dame is, they're the equivalency of uh, a, a dime bag in Snoop Dogg's house. You put it into a bowl, they're going to get smoked. <laughs> That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. They oh. I believe that Notre Dame, they, they don't, this season, I was looking at their schedule this season. They're actually playing some, uh, you know, some, some talent. The thing that aggravates me is, I mean, and, and correct me if I'm wrong or now, have they been assigned into a conference yet? Or are they still playing this independent game? Yeah, it's, it's still independent, but it it, it it kind of feels like they should be in a conference because they kind of play the same teams every year. So, they do shit or, shit or get off the bed, in my opinion, Notre Dame. Get into a conference and and establish yourself. Win win because it's not fair. What personally, how I think the bowl system should be, and this is just just me. I think that we should be going to an eighteen playoff system. Agreed. I think I think that the Power Five conferences. The SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, Big 12, and Pac-12, the conference champions automatically get a playoff bid. Uh, the last three seats we could put in the the MAC conference, that's where UCF is, right? The Mid-Atlantic? Uh, UCF is in the, uh, I think, the AAC. Or AAC, on my apologies, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah uh, you're good, you're good. Nobody knows where they are, so... <laughs> But you know, you know, they they want this chance. Fine, put their conference in. Uh, you know, the last two seats. Let's have some wild cards. There are conferences such as the SEC where there's more than one great team. You know, to where it could be a fair thing to where you know Bama wins a championship and let's say Florida played a hell of a season. They're undefeated and their only loss is to Bama and they're still a top ten team. Get their ass in the playoffs. Or even same thing. You know, with. Uh, uh, you know, with the Big Ten, with because you, you know between Ohio State and Michigan or or Penn State, you know, give give a, a top ten team that that's played talent all season, get them in there. Um, you know, and I, I think that would definitely open up the field more. It would definitely get more TV time. I'm sure more people would like to sponsor bowl games, revenue, blah blah blah. You know, so on and so forth. Um, I would like to see that, but with Notre Dame. They need to get into a conference or just just get the hell out. To be honest with you, they I just I get tired of seeing them just sneak their way into the top ten when you know they they do play some decent schools, but at the same time they're playing a lot of nobodies and they they're blowing them out. And then they play a decent team and look at the last you know bowl game they that national championship they got smoked faster than uh, again you know a dime bag at Snoop Dogg's house man you know put up or shut up Notre Dame. 
And, you know, and the only reason why I have Notre Dame in the top 10, and, and the only reason, because I'm like you, I think Notre Dame and USC, I think I, I, I'm tired of people telling me, I'm going to go on a quick run about USC. I'm tired of people coming to me and saying, well, SEC folks, I mean, excuse me, the USC. I tell people, when Sam Darnold was there, Look, the program was great. Now, look, what do you have now, USC? If it wasn't for Sam Darnold and his performance in the Rose Bowl, where would you be as a program? Like, don't sell me on, oh, you know, we had a great overall team. No, you didn't. And same thing I say with Notre Dame. Notre Dame has NFL talent. But what makes them, the reason why I put them in my top 10 is because of the fact that, listen, they're just talented enough. And, I, and I'm like you, they don't really play anybody, but they play enough Division I schools for me to say, okay, I'll put them in there. But I do believe, and I do believe in my heart, that they may, and I think I talked I talk about it in my podcast, I think they will lose a game. And, and listen, if they lose against USC this year, Brian Kelly should just turn in his whistle. <laughs> yeah. Go turn in your whistle because... And and I, when we get to Michigan, I'm gonna talk about Michigan, Ohio State. Listen, if you can't beat USC, if you can't beat them, you got Ian Book, you have Brandon Winbush, but he left and he's at the quarterback for UCF now. Listen, you got Ian Book, you got some great defensive talent. If you can't beat USC, go turn in your whistle. Yep, I 100% agree. You know, looking at their looking at their schedule. Uh, you know, this is actually, I would say, one of the harder schedules I've seen them play because they're playing Georgia week three. Uh, they're playing uh, USC, you know, October 12th. They're playing Michigan on the 26th. They're playing VT. You know, VT gets they're a very underrated team. VT is that team that will sneak up and, and slit your throat without you knowing. Exactly. Uh, you know, and then and then they're closing off the season with Stanford. Uh yeah, but even then, Boston College, you know, they're they're no slouch either. BC's got a hell of a defense. Uh, I'm curious to see what's going to happen. But you know, Bowling Green, Navy, Duke, uh, you know, Louisville, Notre Dame. Like, come on, man. What what do you you know what what are you doing here? But whatever makes them sleep better at night, I do agree. If they can't beat USC, hang it up and go find a new job. Yeah, because I'm like, look, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because I. I literally debate between putting them, because listen, if you listen, listen, I debated between putting Texas A&M or Notre Dame, and the only reason why I didn't is because I feel Texas A&M may lose a couple of more games, not because they're bad, it's because the SEC is that strength tough. of schedule. And the I only, think, the only thing that I, the reason why I chose A&M uh, over uh, Notre Dame is Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, uh, Jimbo. When he took over Florida State, and of course I know this will sound biased, my best friend's a Florida State fan, so it was a very divided house, so naturally Florida and Florida State didn't play at the same time. Um, so we would watch the Florida State game or then Florida or vice versa, whoever came on first. When Jimbo took over, uh, Florida State was on the ropes. Bobby Bowden was a hell of a guy, hell of a coach, and, and he made Florida State a dangerous program for many, many years. Towards the end... Uh, just like many people do, you get complacent. You start, you know, kind of getting off the gas pedal. Florida State f- started falling. Jimbo took them 
And uh, him and old crab legs, you know, uh, they won a national title and they were they were competitive. They were very, very competitive. Um, he did a lot of great things for Florida State. Uh, and then, yeah, he whether you say he left high and dry or whichever, unfortunately, you know, you pad your resume. You want to continue to go to a job that pays more money. SEC offers more money for coaching. There, we've got our own network. I know now the ACC does. There's more money, more notoriety in the SEC, and uh, I just I see more potential long the end game. I guess we'll we'll throw in an Avengers reference in there. Uh, you know, end game. I see A and M standing and Notre Dame being a, a, a fire in the pan. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, I, if Notre Dame makes me look bad, I'll fly to South Bend myself. And and you know, number nine, I like Washington. Number nine, I put LSU. And, and and once again, I talked about this on my like I said, I talked about this on my podcast. The one thing, the two things that gets me with LSU is that look, listen, they actually have an offense now, and you know they have Joe Burrow, so they actually have a quarterback. Because with it, like the last, if you want to say Jamargo is a great quarterback, okay, but this is a legit quarterback, and even if like they barely beat UCF. Like, you know, they beat him, and that makes me happy. So my thing is, is Ed Ogeron the coach? That, to me, coaching matters. Yep. And I talk about that. Coaching matters. Ed Ogeron, to me, is he a top-five coach in the SEC? And I tell people, the last full-time job he had as an Ole Miss, you know what his record was at Ole Miss? He was 10-25. and 25. Yeah, I was gonna say he he was not well. <laughs> he was t- this dude averaged three wins a season, okay? And I'm sitting there going, "Wait, that can't be right," but it was right. And to me, listen, I like what he did post Les Miles. I give him a lot of credit for that. I really do. But what sticks in my craw is is that coaching matters, and they would be higher. I'm not saying if they would have kept Les Miles. My thing is, it's the same thing I say about USC. You should have fired Clay Helton. Because listen, oh, you bring him back for that great Rudy story. No, fire. Because you got to think that you're, you're a legit program. You got the cash. You can go get a coach. But they stuck with Ed Ogeron. My question is, can he take this LSU team, probably the best team he's ever coached in his life, and make them contenders? Because to me, Coaching matter. Listen, when you got Jimbo Fisher and you're talking about Nick Saban, who we'll talk about, you got Dan Mullen, you got even Gus Malzahn. You have good coaches in the SEC. There's a lot, a lot of dangerous coaches out there that that I think are going to make a lot of programs play a little harder each week. Getting when it gets down to the nitty gritty. Exactly, and and like I said, I'll even shout out to Derek Mason and Vandy. Listen. I tell people, they're great coaches. To me, I don't know if Ed Ogeron is a top-five coach in the SEC. He's a Listen, when you go 10-25, and 25, I look at resumes. It matters. You go to a job, they look at your resume like, ah, they, it matters. Like like you say, patting your resume, it, Jimbo Fisher, everywhere he went, listen, That's it got him the money. It, yep. it got him the money. So people who say, oh, yeah, oh, he didn't – listen, FSU wasn't going to pay. So, look. He left, and now you got Willie Taggart. Good luck. <laughs> so yeah, that's another that's another story for another day. Exactly. And then number eight, you had Texas. I I actually put Texas number twelve. 
Oh. And and you know, I, I know. And and this is why. I look at the Big Twelve in this and we're gonna talk about teams with you know comfortable with a lot of depth. I think that when I look at Texas, my question lies within is the offense back. Tom Herman, can he get Sam Ellinger? Can he stay healthy? Can they stay healthy enough? Because this is what I say. If you, once again, I like Tom Herman as a coach. Like I say, coaching matters. Quarterback matters. You know, if Sam Ellinger can stay healthy, I could easily put them at number eight like you. My question is durability at that position, if he can stay healthy. Because we've seen that, listen, quarterbacks can wear down, you know, exactly can't, you know, exactly heal in a quick manner. But I look at Texas and I say, I, I, I don't think they're Oklahoma good. But I think they're, I just question the quarterback. I, I think they're good enough to stay in the, to, to at least be in the top 10 right now. Mid-season, I think that's something we could possibly circle back to. Um, they've got the talent. They've, they've got the coaching. Luckily, they've got a conference that's not – their only obstacle, I believe, in the Big 12 is Oklahoma. I, that's a very big obstacle, but I don't think that it's um, uh, an ACC-SEC where you've got three to four teams that are just outright powerhouses. Uh, you know, they, they – it, it's going to be interesting. I'd, I'd like to see where they go. Yeah, and, and I agree. And, you know, in, and let's see, I had, let's see, we're number seven. You have Florida, and I had Ohio State. Here's the thing. I'm like you. Everything you said about Ohio State was absolutely right. Look, I tell people, we got a friend, and we're trying to tell this dude, look. Hi, Derek. I, yeah, he's got to listen. I'm going to tag him. When I release it, to, I'm going to definitely tag him because I'm like like Derek. Like, we're trying to tell him, look, we're not saying your, your program is garbage. But what we're trying to simply conjecture to you is this. Understand that historically, your team or conference, depending how you want to put it, can't beat the SEC. You can't. You can go all the way back to when, oh, a Ted Ginn, remember, oh, his leg, he's done, and we blew you out. You can go back that far. My issue with, with Ohio State, and I talked about it again. I talked about it on the podcast, and I said this. You got to replace Dwayne Haskins. With the, You got to replace Dwayne Haskins. That's number one. With Justin Fields, the transfer from Georgia. And then you got to replace Urban Meyer. Well, now that he's teaching an ethics class, which is the definition of irony, if I've ever seen it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, they're, yeah, I know that's yeah, as, as much as I loved urban. He did bring us some trophies. He, he let a lot of boys run, run buck wild against, uh, against a lot of people. Um, but yeah, as, as you said, historically, you know, numbers don't lie. You, you look at the, uh, just the raw definition. Um, the sec is 94 and 63 with two ties against the big 10, Exactly. Uh, av- average score is uh, 24 to 21. Uh, you know, I mean, in bowl games, we're 55 and 31 uh, against the Big Ten. Um, you know, you've got your your powerhouses who have really put a beat down on them. You know, Alabama is 11 and four against the Big Ten in bowl uh, altogether. Um, you know, Georgia 10 and three, Florida 12 and six. To eat, hell, 
a lot of people rag on Tennessee. Tennessee's eleven and four against the Big Big Ten right now. Yeah, uh, exactly. you know, I would I would respect Ohio State if they played more talent. But you know, you look at their schedule right now. You know, opener is against Florida Atlantic, which I won't count. Everybody's opener. If you're a powerhouse team, you're using somebody as a punching bag. But you know, they're uh, Cincinnati, Miami of Ohio, uh, you know, Indiana. Uh, you know, they, they play Nebraska. I don't know how reputable Nebraska is right now. Uh, Michigan State. I know Michigan State seems to be the chink in the armor for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, you know, Northwestern, uh, Rutgers, Maryland. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> come on now. You know, they, they do play. You know, they, they have their, their season finale against Michigan. Uh, I think that's going to be one hell of a show. Penn State, same thing. Thankfully, they don't play Purdue this year, and they don't catch a uh, another surprise surprise loss. But um, that game was all, very fun to watch, mind you. Um, I just Ohio State, and again, it's just our conference. When you play teams like you know Minnesota, and Northwestern, and and so on and so forth, and you run up to score seventy seven to ten, uh, it's like when we were in high school. You know, it got to a point where Palm Bay High wasn't allowed to play Egali or Satellite <laughs> Beach, you know, or Cocoa Beach. It, it, it's just, it's a danger to society, you know. It uh, is. It, it's a crime. And somebody, yeah, you know, I mean, but I'd, I would like to see some more talent go to the Big Ten, uh, maybe spruce it up a little bit. Because you've got your, you know, Ohio State's definitely the dominant faction, I guess, in, 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 the, uh, in the tribe. You know, then I would say Michigan, uh, Penn State, and Michigan State. But you know, Michigan State ain't nobody to slouch on. There have been a couple times that they've come up and and bit Ohio State in the ass. Uh, luckily, this time now that Urban, I I I don't, I don't even know the situation with that. Um, if he's teaching, God bless him. If he's coaching and they start losing, I wouldn't be surprised if he has another uh, quote unquote heart attack. Jeez, <laughs> yeah, I'll go there. Yeah, yeah. Health. Listen, health problems happen every day. You know, and it, it reminds me of, of of a quick story. If I go to the next, it reminds me. Remember with the Miami Heat? Remember Stan Van Gundy? Oh Jesus and Christ! All of a sudden, all of a sudden, Stan Van Gundy wasn't feeling well, and all of a sudden, Pat Riley coached, and all of a sudden, they won a championship. Yeah. Listen, listen, folks. Listen. All I'm saying is that listen, health matters. So you know, listen, listen, palpit. Listen, folks. I was stressed. Go get your physical, Urban. You know, you said it best. And like one, one more thing I'll say about Ohio State is simply, and once again, and I'll talk about when I get to Michigan, is, is that Ohio State, if they want me, if they want me to take them seriously, to me, they got to listen. It, it all is Justin Fields and the coaching. Because at the end of the day, those are the two most, and to me, in college especially, coaching especially matters. In the NFL, it matters, but in college, it does. Because you can turn around a program two, three years, given the right coach and you get, and you, especially the right quarterback. I think Ryan Day, that's the question mark. Can he take, a, listen, replacing a, replacing a guy like Urban is not easy. It's like trying to replace Bobby Knight in Indiana. Wasn't easy. Indiana ain't won, you know, diddly nothing. Since Bobby Knight left. Yeah, he threw a couple of chairs, but he gave you a couple of national championships. <laughs> so I tell people, like, listen, you, you know, if Woody Hayes punched a guy. So, look, he would have had his job. He wouldn't listen. I don't blame him. I would have punched a guy, too. But anywho, and so at number six, you had Ohio State and I had Oklahoma. 
and th- and this is the thing about Oklahoma. I truly do believe when I look at Oklahoma strictly on paper, listen, they got Jalen Hurts. When he said Alabama, that dude had over 7,600 yards. He accounted for 7,600 yards of total offense in his three seasons at Alabama. And Alabama let him go for Tua. So that's how good he was. And Alabama said, we'll stick with Tua. That's how good he was. And Oklahoma, listen, I tell people, the defense is still bad. I said, here's how bad the defense was last year. They were last in the Big 12 in opposing points. They gave up 33 points a game. And they were 111th in, in, in pass defense. Ooh, yeah. That's, you, that's, you, and I, you and I could have put up at least a couple of yards. It, yeah, matter, it don't matter who I'll the quarterback was. Yeah, like, it doesn't matter who the quarterback was, me or you. We could have got hung up at least 300 yards. That's how bad they were. And like I said, historically, the Big 12 is not great defensively. Historically. But to me... I put them over Texas because I trust Oklahoma's offense more than I do Texas's offense. And plus, the last two Heisman Trophy winners came from Oklahoma. So, you know, Kyler Murray and people can talk about Baker Mayfield. Listen, Oklahoma, listen, why? They can blow out people. They can blow the, like how Miami was when they're in the Big East. Just blow the doors off of people. I mean, Miami blew the doors off with Ken Dorsey at quarterback. That's all you need to know, people. Yeah. You you could insert any quarterback in the Oklahoma system, and they're going to be successful because, you know, at the end of the day, Lincoln Riley's is just a carryover from Bob Stoops' offense. It's a carryover. So, essentially, insert quarterback, 50 points a game. So, and it's been that way for at least 10, 15 years. So, I do like Oklahoma. My thing with Oklahoma is, and that's why I say that Oklahoma, that Red River rivalry game, that to me, if they could beat Texas, if they could beat Texas, they're not going to lose anymore. If they can avoid the trap game when they play Oklahoma State. Because every once in a while, there's always a trap game for these top 10 teams. Yep. There's, a, there's a trap game. There's a trap game. And if they can avoid and step over that landmine, step over that trap, they can run the table. They can, they can legit run the table. And, I, and that's why I think I feel, I feel about Oklahoma. And number, number five, yeah, LSU, I put Florida at five. I, I'm, I'm high on Florida because I'm high on their defense. And they, and they proved correctly. Ten sacks. I'm high, on Todd, I'm high on that defense simply because it's the SEC. The SEC is, is, is more defensive. But mind you, listen, there are great quarterbacks now in the SEC. Franks, you got Burr, you got Tua. So there are great quarterbacks now. But with Florida, and, I, and, it, and it kind of showed up in that game, is that my question is simply, can we beat Georgia? Can we win that game? I, I think this year will uh, – I, I, I personally, and again, I know it's going to sound biased, but I, I think we will. I think our defense is going to uh, be able to perform against – Georgia, I think that our offense, the 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 key to offense, and we need to figure it out by Georgia, is you know if Felipe Franks is the answer and he can be consistent. Consistency is is a word that would Franks do not go hand in hand. Exactly. Um, and we need to neither develop that consistency 
Uh, or, you know, and again, I don't want to sound like the, the people on the Facebook and just, you know, start off with their heads, but we really need to start taking a serious look at Emory Jones. Um, we're going to see that Kentucky game. Uh, a, it's, a, you know, uh, that, that's a bad blood game. We, we beat Kentucky 28 or 29 years straight. They squeaked the game on us last year. Um, Franks has to... Uh, he has to prove himself now that 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 that's not going to be a regular occurrence. Tennessee, Tennessee is always that they could be the worst damn team in the SEC, but they will give us a run for the money because of the emotional factor of that game. Um, he 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 needs to be cons- if he could be consistent and we could put the goddamn ball into Kadarius Tony's hands more than twice a game. Um, there there will be that that will be the surprise. I, it, the city of Jacksonville will see the Gator Nation rise up on that one. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now we get into the top four, like you talk about, the uber critical. Like You had Oklahoma at four. I put Georgia there. This is what I like about Georgia, even though it's hard to talk about Georgia. I talk about Jake Fromm. I talk about, listen, he, he's the type of dude that, you know, he just don't lose the game. Okay, you don't lose the game, you're going to be fine. And that defense is good enough. Kirby Smart has that defense good enough. And there's talent. And they got swift at running back. They're good enough. But, like, Georgia cannot pull, you know, the, you know that SEC championship game, that exactly, you know, depending what's, you know, depending, ugh, you know, if you, can, if you can avoid, and this is what I say about Georgia, and this is what I say about the whole SEC, and I talked about it earlier. You got to avoid that trap. In the SEC, more than any other conference, maybe the Big Ten, you got to avoid the trap. It's a trap. And but with Georgia, I think their quarterback is good enough that they'll be undefeated when we play them. I do believe that, and I think Florida, like you say, it's a matter of the quarterbacks not screwing up, trusting your defense. Trust your defense. Trust your backfield. Like you say, Kadarius Tony had no business touching the ball twice. No business. And like I say, that will get corrected. I think that will get corrected in the, you know, in the offensive meeting. But going back to Georgia, I like Kirby Smart. You know, even the offensive line is good. But once again, they could easily interchange with Florida. That Florida-Georgia game is always important. But we can't lose three straight years to Georgia. Absolutely not. Because the last time, you know, the last time we did that, Must Chump was the coach. Uh All right. The last time we did that, Mus Chump was the coach, and don't get me started on that, bum. Yeah. How did he get a second? I guess anybody can get a second job. <laughs> this is true. Anybody? Like, geez, I'm all for second chance, but not with that guy. Well, but even OJ's getting a second chance now. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, did you hear? OJ, OJ drafted Andrew Luck an hour before he retired. Yeah. Well, and I said, uh, if I'm if I'm Andrew Luck, I'm like, look, stay the hell away from wherever OJ is. That's yeah. A, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a killer move. Oh, wait, can we? Yeah, it's, it's already out there, folks. <laughs> <laughs> and, and number three, number three, you had Georgia. And I put Michigan at number three. Oh, you're killing me. No, here's why. Here's why. I didn't want to do it, but this is why I had to do it. I know what I saw. We both saw the debauchery of that game. But when I look at Michigan, I look at I look the same way. I look at everything, coaching, quarterback, and if your defense is good enough. 
you know, if I had to pick out a weakness, the defense is not super great because they lost Winovich, their best linebacker, to the draft. But what I will say is, is that, once again, and this goes out to the same thing I said about Brian Kelly in – that's the same thing I said about him in uh, Notre Dame for USC. Jim Harbaugh, if you lose to Ohio State, turn in your whistle. There's no excuse in America why you can't beat Ohio State. You they got the talent. They, they definitely have the talent. I took it. You got the better quarterback. You damn sure got the better coach. And you got him in Ann Arbor. You can't, like, folks, it's like making the perfect chili. You can't screw it up. It's like, it's like, it's like boiling water. You can't screw that up right. Some people have. Well, but, but I tell people, the, the point is, is that, listen, I like Shea Patterson at quarterback. I like, listen, if they can beat, I think they play Notre Dame. If they can get by Notre Dame, once again, avoid the traps. Michigan's a top three. I, and I tell people, I understand where people come out and say, oh, well, Michigan, listen, I like Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh left San Francisco. He was fired not because he was a terrible coach, because he clashed with he he clashes with he clashes with management. That's his personality. Because listen, you don't fire a guy who took Colin Kaepernick to a Super Bowl, all right? And that's a whole different subject for another day. He took the Niners when they were garbage and made them contenders. And you don't fire a guy, but I digress. He got fired, took the Michigan job, and let's be honest, it's been average at best. Why? Because they haven't beat Ohio State. Listen, they if it wasn't for a referee can't spotting a ball correctly, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, if a referee can't spot a ball, we could be talking how great Michigan is, how Michigan is better than you know, or is taking over the series. Or if simply put, when they lost to Michigan State, if you learn to hold on to the damn ball. Yep. Like, oh yeah, I'm a punter. I only got one job right, and you couldn't do that right. So if the ball literally would have bounced any other way, we could be having a different conversation. But like I say, Michigan, this is the best year you got to do it. If you can't beat Ohio State, you got the perfect formula. Better coach, better quarterback. You got it at Ann Arbor. Yeah, time to put up shut up. If you have to get Desmond Howard from the studio, get it. Get I I don't care. You can win again. Listen, because their schedule says, listen. That Michigan, I tell people that Michigan State defense was the best defense, one of the best defenses overall in the country. I trust Mark D'Antonio in that defense. But if you find ways to win, that's the only thing I always say. Listen, listen, I don't care if you win by look at the Florida game. I don't care if you win by four or forty. Win the game. And and one and two, we just gotta interchange. I put Clemson two. And I believe in the Ric Flair adage. You said, in order to be the man, you got to beat the man. I agree with that. I just think my biggest question mark for Clemson is they lost a lot of talent to the draft. Clinton Farrell, Dexter Lawrence. They lost a lot of talent, a lot of first-round talent. And listen, they can reload. I have no doubt about that. They can unequivocally reload. Because, listen, I tell people, Trevor Lawrence, folks, I'm not going to be like, Cowherd and say, oh, he's the greatest quarterback since Andrew Luck. Like, calm the hell down, Cowherd. Yeah. Like, calm the fuck down. Like, dude, like, Cowherd is the equivalent of, of hyperbole. So, you know, 
Trevor Lawrence is good. He's a sophomore. I tell people. But he's good. Because, listen, he, he basically beat out Kelly Bryant, who's at Missouri. And that's why Missouri, they're in my top 25 because of him. So, when I dabble Swinney, listen, not many people can say they beat Nick Saban. Not everybody can say that. In the NFL, in the NFL, everybody can say that, but not in college. <laughs> everybody can say that. I, I can agree with that. Like, not a lot of people can walk around and say, listen, I beat Nick Saban. They did. You know, Urban Meyer can say it. Dabo Swinney can say it. Dabo Swinney, once again, Clemson, ah, not great. Dabo comes in, turns it around. Like I say, two, three years, you turn it around. And what I like about Clemson is, look, they even got a, Etienne, the running back. Listen, there's talent. And, and the ACC, as deep as the ACC is, I think if they – listen, they got to play South Carolina, who plays probably a top three toughest schedule in the country this year. Yep. Because they play everybody. So if they can somehow – somehow get by South Carolina or hope South Carolina is so beat up at the end of the season they could run the table because Clemson avoid the pitfall avoid the traps because when we start talking top 10 is about avoiding the traps because those teams that listen they're looking to get to where you're at they want to slay the giant I look at Clemson and I always say is that I, I I'm going with the guy who beat Nick Saban I also got a guy who essentially has a great quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, if he, he's going to stay because he's a sophomore, if, if they can, well, listen, it's the, I tell people the ACC is not like the SEC in terms of like folks. Like I tell people, I say, you know, I'll give people an example. Look at Duke. Like that Daniel Jones kid who got drafted. Folks, Daniel Jones' ass could not throw 60% in the ACC. I tell people, and these were ACC defenses. They weren't great, de- like outside of Clemson, outside of Miami. Like you said, you know, maybe even Boston College. You know what? A, a, a defense that was surprisingly good last year, uh, and if you actually break down the numbers, and, and I had someone point it out to me, was Florida State actually had a very superb defense last yeah. year. A lot of, a lot of turnovers. Uh, a lot of – they, they – the very uh, underrated and underspoken defense. And again, I I hate Florida State with every ounce of my moral fiber and being. But you know, uh, credit is given where credit is due, and I'll definitely say that that Florida State is a is a top defense in that uh, ACC. Yeah, and like I say, Florida State's problem. Listen, they just couldn't move the ball. You know, defensively they were good. Like I say, the ACC has good defenses, but the only great defense is Clemson. But I say with Clemson, but the difference between between those other ACC teams and Clemson, they actually have a quarterback. They actually have a quarterback. And listen, quarterbacks matter. And I tell people, like, listen, look at the way if, if Jerron Williams, can, if they can find a way to protect that dude, Miami could win maybe six, seven games. I tell people. If you have a quarterback, we're not, we're not looking for the next, like, Andrew look like Cowherd's talk about, drinking too much of that L.A. Kool-Aid out there. But if you just have a good quarterback, a good defense, 
and good coaching. No one's asking for, you know, the team that's at number one on my list. But if you can have all those elements, you're a great program. And that leads me to Alabama. Alabama is my number one simply because Nick Saban is the best coach in college football. Like you said, he's the Belichick. I tell people, people don't like Belichick. You know what? Do you think Belichick cares? He does not give a flying fuck about that. And it proves it when he's on the field and those cut off, sleeved, hooded sweatshirt. This dude dresses like he's walking his dog and he's coaching on a sideline. He's dressing like he's going he's going to work at the docks. So he doesn't care. Just like Nick Saban. Nick Saban doesn't care whether you like him. Listen, if you're Nick Saban, five national champions, six overall if you count the one he won at LSU. Nick Saban Nick Saban's the best coach. I can argue he could him and Belichick, it's not even close. Because no. listen, when Nick Saban I tell people at the end of the day, and I always stress this to people, is that overall, Nick Saban, he's 237 and 63. But here's his record at Alabama. His his record at Alabama, he's 146 and 21. And he started and he took that job in 2007. So, folks, his worst season was his first season. He went seven and six. Yep. I mean, he, he, numbers speak for themselves. Uh, you know, he, the man knows, he knows what to do. He knows how to recruit. And I think the most important part is he knows how to manage the game. I think that's where a lot of coaches fail is they don't manage the game. Uh, exactly. Sometimes you got to step back. You got to let your OC call your offense, your, your, your DC call your defense. And then you're managing. You are you are the manager of of the the building. You are the manager of your organization. You can't micromanage everything. And Saban has a branch of of his assistant managers. I guess we can call them. Dan Mullen is a prime example. You know, Dan Mullen, I believe, sat under. Or excuse me, not Dan Mullen. Um, uh, who is the one that sat under him? Uh, and they uh, actually played each other. Um, what Kirby Smart? Kirby Smart. You know he, you know uh, the the man has has blossomed great coaches. He's blossomed great players. Unfortunately, he just runs the dog shit out of them, so they're not worth anything after they get to the NFL. But... Exactly, it's especially uh, especially the running backs. Oh God, he he runs them into the ground. They they when when a team drafts a uh, a running back, it is the equivalency of going to one of those enterprise uh, car lots to buy a rental car. You know. <laughs> It looks good, and you know it. It'll perform, and it's been taken care of. But let me tell you, that car has been beat to shit. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I'm confirming or denying that in my travel for my job that I I drive rentals like a wild man. But you know, they say always like a rental car, I drive it like you stole it. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it's been stolen a great deal. Oh yeah. And you you know, and I think you know, I think universally we're on the same page. And, and it goes to the fact of what I always said before we talk about the NFL. It goes to what I've always said about the SEC. Look, is Alabama, is it, is it a top-heavy to a degree? Maybe. But what I argue is, is that historically, once again, we beat bigger conferences. I tell people, look, come at me. Like if, I tell people, come at me 
when your conference can do what we've done the last decade. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's... Or, or, or better yet, I can argue the last 15 years. If when you can, even before, when it was the BCS, come at me that way. Because simply because, look, at the end of the day, you know what? We, the Big Ten is, you know what the Big Ten is learning? You got to pay for better coaches. Yep. You actually got to invest. I always tell people, you have to look at not only yourself as a person, but you got to look at things from a image. You, you're a brand. Okay, who do you want representing you? Listen, Alabama, listen, Nick Saban got the hell out of Miami because he knew he couldn't get it done. He knew, I go back to college, I'm king, and Alabama, like I said, if you take out the first year, every single season is double-digit wins. Yep. Alabama said this is the dude because he won in the SEC when he was at LSU. This is why I harped on Ed Ogeron earlier. You've coached in this conference and you're garbage. Don't, and I'm like, I tell people this. There's a reason why we don't talk about boy bands. We talk about NSYNC, the Batchy Boy. You know who we don't talk about? O-Town or 98 <laughs> Degrees. You know why we don't talk about them? You know why we don't? Because they're garbage. They're garbage. Because I tell people, out of, I tell people, out of, out of those groups, who became a star? Timberland. Listen, that's the same way I always feel about the SEC. Like, listen, you can pick out every single team in that conference and go, listen, they may not be super great. And there's a few, like, Ole Miss may not be that great. You're going to have a few duds. But for the most part, it's studs. Or it's, it's a good, two great talent. That's what makes the SEC a great conference. And this is why... Our friend Derek has to understand is that how, can you when you look at the NFL draft, who's produced the most first forget overall picks, first round talent? The SEC. Yep, I agree. <laughs> well, what what you were touching on with national championships, because I know you wanted to cover, you know, what my opinion was on the best college conference. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, I, I guess we can just circumvent right into that. Um, you know, I'm I, I'm going to say that, honestly, overall. The SEC is hands down the best conference. You were talking about championships and having people come at you. I'll 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 come at you and I'm gonna back you. Uh, you know, you look at let's just say cash money from the nine nine to the two thousand until present. Let's look at the you know, from from the year two thousand to right now, conference championships. Uh the SEC has ten, the ACC has three. Uh, the Big Ten has two, the Pac-12 has one, the Big 12 has two, and Miami, you know, when they were in the Big East has one. So I'll, we'll even, let's say, since Miami's in the, S, or the, the ACC now, we'll give them four. But you look at from, honestly, uh, you know, from 2006 until now, we've owned the, 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 the uh, national titles. Uh, and it's not just, you know, and, and we have some people that will say, oh, the SEC West and it's only Alabama. So you guys are just riding on their coattails or sucking their dicks or whatever. Um, you know, you look at the spread. You know, LSU has won a championship uh, since 2006. UF has won two. Auburn has won one. You know, yes, Bama has won the majority of them. But you have three. I mean, hell, I'll even go out on a limb and and say that. The University of Florida, a single conference, 
a single team in the SEC East who everyone says is the shittiest part of the SEC, University of Florida has won just as many championships in 18 years as the entire Big Ten has. Exactly. As the, as the entire – more than the Pac-12 has. is same amount as the Big 12. Yes, you know, Ohio State won – in 2002 and 2014, which is fine and dandy, and hey, you know, hats off to you, and I and I give you credit, but you can't argue numbers, and uh, so that, that that's when you know, like, oh, the, you know, or you know, people say, well, you know, you're just digging up bad history, or whatever, you know, people start skewing numbers and narratives to fit. It's almost you know, arguing who the best conference is is it's like politics, and you know, people are just going to skew the narrative. Exactly. To fit their agenda, but let's just say from 2000 to right now, the SEC has 10 championships. Or let's just say since uh, you know just the college football playoff system, okay, Bama still has two championships, and so does the ACC. So again, you know, let's look at that. Let's look at the end of the year. How many top 25? Uh, ranked teams are ranked in, in the SEC. I would say at least seven to eight of them are ranked at any given time. You're not seeing that out of the Big Ten. You're not seeing, damn sure not seeing that out of the Pac-12. Oregon sneaks in there because they've got cute uniforms and a cute field and a cute basketball court. Uh, you know, they're, you know, Oregon, they're just, they're so overhyped. It just, it, it, it makes me sick to my stomach. But when you, you break down the conferences, in my opinion, I think definitely the overall best is the SEC. Uh, the number two slot, ACC hands down. You got Clemson, you've got Florida State. Um, if Miami can figure out what an offensive line is, they're going to be one dangerous ass team. Uh, I'm even going to reach out and say number three is the Big 12. I believe Oklahoma, o- uh, Oklahoma State, Texas, they're they're better than than the Big Ten. And I'll rank the Big Ten. All it is is Ohio State with a splash of Michigan. And then, of course, you know, the minor league division, uh, the Pac-12, you know. <laughs> and, you know, and, and everything you said was absolutely right. Because it, when I, and I went through when I did my top 25 list, during the po- and I said the teams that had the most, te- you know, teams in there was the SEC and the Big Ten. Simply because, and the only reason why the Big Ten had many teams, and listen, the Big Ten, the majority of their teams, we're in the 20s, like from 20, maybe up to 11. But I had literally four SEC teams in the top 10. And then two of them belonging in the, in the, in the top four. Yeah, in the top four, exactly. And there's a reason for that. And this is what I always stress. And we talked about it. And I, you know, championships, every, I tell people, we talked about coaching. We talk about quarterback. This is the Big Ten, I can argue, and they're not going to admit it, they stole from the SEC playbook. They realized, oh, wait a minute, why couldn't we get Nick Saban? Because you didn't have any money. You you didn't have any money. You were not willing, you were willing to settle for, you know, oh, well, we'll we'll promote an assistant. Oh, yeah, that's great, until he goes 10-26 like Ed Ogeron did. Here's the problem. You have to invest your money. Look, I'm not saying be all stock markish, and but the point is, the Big Ten for a while just didn't have great coaches. Like I tell people, the longest one, of the longest tenure coach is Kurt Ferentz is in Iowa. So I tell people, when was the last time Iowa, Iowa, that's that that state with all the corn in it, 
what have they done? And Kirk Prince has been there over 20 years. What has he done? Uh, Nothing. Produced what? Dallas Clark? That's it? What else have you produced? And I tell, and I tell people, the Big Ten, oh, we're loyal. Listen, the only, the only thing I like about the Big Ten, honestly, yeah, Ohio State, Michigan, but I look at Nebraska, they got Scott Frost. And listen, as much as I didn't like UCF, I liked the hell out of Scott Frost because, listen, before Scott Frost got there, that offense the year before was garbage. All of a sudden, Mackenzie Milton looked like the Heisman candidate. Folks, go out there. You know what they're realizing? Go out and pay, especially offensive-minded coaches. Yep. The, the NFL is doing it. Listen, and no disrespect, and the only anomaly is Bill Belichick. Everybody, every team now is looking like we got a higher offense. That's the same thing in college. You know, once again, Nick Saban, they're the anomalies, him and Belichick. Because why? And you brought up a very good point. Managers, trust your offense. I said, trust them. Because if you don't, Bill Belichick has trusted Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels runs that offense. Not yep. Belichick. Josh McDaniels runs that offense. You, you have to be able to, to trust the people under you. Uh, you know, I in my my career field, uh, I, you know, I work for a multi-billion dollar company. I manage teams from Manhattan to Seattle, and I was actually just with, you know, the executive vice president, who essentially would be the, you know, the 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 head coach, you know, and then, of course, the CEO being our uh, our general manager. But he he trusts me. Let's say I'm the, you know, I'm the northern manager and then we have the southern manager. We're the offense and defensive coordinators. You know, he'll question us, but he lets us do our thing because we're producing. And and that's what you have to do is you have to let your 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 junior managers your offensive coordinator and, and like i touched on before you gotta let them do it bill belichick does it he's produced many great coaches and byproducts from under him and unfortunately that bastard has won uh you know six uh you know six rings you know god bless him hopefully we don't see a seventh this year i don't think we will but uh you know they're in another subject i know we're going to jump on here in a second but um you know i we, we spelt it out, you know, the SEC, we, we got good managers. We paid the money. The Big Ten's learning that. They went and got Urban Meyer. And again, I'm sorry. I know he's from Ohio, but the only reason Ohio State became relevant again is because of an SEC national championship winning coach using that aggressive playbook and that re aggressive recruiting style and the fact that he can recruit from Florida because his name, everybody knows Urban Meyer if you play football in Florida from, from Pee Wee to, to uh, high school to even held Division Three, Division Two, II, Division One, they know Urban Meyer. He had a portal to get good recruits, and he did a good job, and he won a championship. and And I will, I will give him credit for it. Good job, uh, you know. But again, I, I just, I don't see the Big Ten. I, you know, I'm sure Derek is going to have himself a field day with it. But I still love you, Derek. Just busting your balls, but you know, we'll see what happens. You know. I, Luckily, we're uh, about to hit week one here in a few days, and we'll see what uh, what sticks to the wall and uh, what doesn't. Exactly, and you know, and, I, and speaking of, you know, we're talking about man, we're talking about, and I want to talk about the NFL, and I and I do want to. And transition into the NFL teams, and we and like I said, I look at NFL team the same way I look at businesses. This, you said everything on the head. You have to look at it from the owner, GM, coach. You got to even the quarterback. You got to look at it from a business model. 
because successful businesses understand trust. They understand you have to go with who you trust. And and then there's some things that listen, some things fall apart. So my thing is that which NFL teams will take a step back? Taking a step back. So I this one I did some uh some some research on and number one, I think we're going to see a step back, and I know this is probably going to be a shock value. Houston Texans. Ooh. Houston Texans. Their O line is scary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Deshaun, Deshaun Watson is just, he is a stud. I have nothing bad to say about that man. But when you've already been hurt once and you're coming back and you've got a sketchy offensive line, uh, you know, that that's a bad place to be. I mean, he does have DeAndre Hopkins as a safety net and uh, and Duke Johnson. You know, Duke Johnson has won me, a, believe it or not, you know, this man has won me a lot of money in fantasy football. Um, he he is a sleeper agent. He is he is like um, uh, the, I, I saw USA is doing a show about the uh, the Bourne series, the project, whatever the hell it's called. Um, you know, he is a sleeper agent. You wake him up, the man will perform. I don't know if they'll hang on to Duke Johnson or use him as trade bait, but I I foresee, you know, Houston Texans going down. Another team that I really see falling to the bottom and borderline a first round number one pick next year, Washington Redskins. Yeah. They're yeah. again offensive line is is in such disarray. AP is not getting any younger. Um, and when he does not have an offensive line to help him, he is is just in a bad place. And then on top of that, look at the NFC East. Yeah, I mean, there, there's still some life left in that in that category. They're playing some some tough teams, you know. I mean, we can talk shit about Dallas and bus balls. Dak Prescott kind of performs. They've got Zeke and, and Amari Cooper. Uh, you know, my my biggest you know, I, I know we we should almost probably do a podcast on fantasy n- next time. But yeah. again, uh, you know, in fantasy, the biggest regret last season I had is I let Amari Cooper go three days before they announced a trade to uh, to Dallas, and that very next week, the guy I released him, somebody picked him up in free agency, and I got my ass taxed. I, I forgot because I was in the league with you last year. Yes, you were. Yes, and, you were. And, that, and that's when it all went downhill for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I you know I remember. Oh my God, I I forgot. I I know. No, you know who make it downhill? Just a, Le'Veon Bell. He's a bad. Yeah, that too. Because I picked him up hoping that he would stop being a little bitch, and then he didn't. But God and, bless. He's on the Jets now. J E T S. Jets. 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 Well, hopefully we'll win five games. <laughs> you know uh, what I will. I'm gonna get to the Jets in a minute. I want you know, the teams that I think are gonna regress, and it's gonna shock some people. But it's gonna be. I don't think they're gonna. You know, fall off the face of the earth. Before but, before you do that, I got two more. Can I touch oh, those in like oh, thirty oh, seconds? Oh, go for it. Take all the time okay. you need, man. All right. The last uh, number three, the Bengals. Yeah, yeah. Terrible yeah. defense. AJ Green is done. Uh, offense is is quite. I mean, they have Mixon. Mixon's great. But that defense is going to get them slaughtered. That they're in a packed conference. They're in a talent-loaded division. Good luck to them. And last but not least, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put my balls on the table like uh, Dan Mullen did on Saturday. New England Patriots. Ooh, you know, 
That that you know, I almost went there too. Brady I'll... is getting he ain't getting any younger. Bilicek ain't getting any younger. Now, granted, Bilicek can find bums off the street and probably turn them into NFL wideouts. And I get that. And, and God bless the man for doing it. But the AFC East is getting hungry. The Bills are still shit, but the Jets made some decent moves. And again, I know it sounds biased. The Jets made some moves and invested into a running back, which we didn't have. Darnold is an up-and-coming quarterback. We've got that little troublemaker that looks like Marlon Wayans from uh, Don't Be a Menace in Southside. Oh, God. Uh, I know you're Anderson, talking about I know I'm busting his balls, but the kid can catch. <laughs> if he can stay out of trouble, we're gonna, you know, we'll be good. The only saving grace I think that will be to keep New England relevant is they're going to be able to beat up on Buffalo a couple times a year. They're going to be able to beat up on Miami. There is quarterback situation in Miami. It quotes uh, from ESPN is subpar at best. Um, it, you know, the a they're starting to get hungry. The Jets are going to play a little bit harder this season, but the boys aren't getting any younger in New England. And I think we're going to see again. I'm going to throw another Marvel reference in here. We're going to see an end game. Thanos won and kept winning. Now we figured out what the hell we got to do. New England falls this season. I don't. I'll think they make the playoffs because. The AFC East is still a growing division. I don't see them making a Super Bowl appearance. You know, and you know that's the limb. And I kind of took out a limb on mine. And 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 if I don't know if you saw how I ranked the thirty-two teams, I posted it the other day. And 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 because uh, I did on the podcast, but you know, I I, I ranked them on my, and and I put two of those teams on the list. But the one, I think the New Orleans Saints are going to take a step back. And and I and I tell you, I like Drew Brees. I like Sean Payton. That to me is kind of that's the second best duo behind Brady Brady and Belichick. I like them. My only question mark, as I say, the NFC is deep. And 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 quite frankly, I look at them and I go, besides Michael Thomas, who do they throw the ball to? They don't like if you trust Ted Ginn at his age to be a second receiver. To me, you got a problem. And then you got Jared Cook, you know, uh, uh, who do you trust? And like, you know, Mark Ingram isn't there, so it's going to be all Alf, you know, be all Alvin Kamara. So, yeah. and so if he goes, you know, I'm not saying wishing injury, because I know he got drafted in our fantasy draft, so I'm not going to curse whoever drafted him. <laughs> but, so, but, you know, in a way, I'm just saying, you know. But, you know, my question is, who does he throw the ball to? Last season, Drew Brees did not throw for 4,000 yards. And and that shocked me. And I said, well, because he didn't have any weapons, he got to the NFC Championship game. And listen to what I tell you, and I want to say this real quick. I hope they got over it because I said it once and I'll say it again. He, did the ref blow that call? Yeah, you damn right he did. But you got the ball back in overtime. I didn't know the refs could throw interceptions. Or no, but I didn't know they could do I didn't know they could do that. There are some salty motherfuckers in Louisiana, let me tell you. But hey, you know what? I think I'd be too at that point. Yeah, I, I would, you know, you're right. I would be too. But I tell people, I don't remember Ed Hockley throwing the ball in the air and going, I don't recall that. Maybe I need to go rewatch the tape. But I think they take a step back. It's because I just think that, listen, I'll talk about my Falcons. Listen, if we can figure out that defense, if DQ, former Gator defensive coordinator, by the way, if he can figure that out and, you know, investing in that, investing in an offensive line to protect your asset in Matt Ryan, you know, you got Julio Jones, you got Calvin Ridley, who I drafted, by the way. That was a steal. So we'll get into that later. 
But the point is, is that you got two great receivers. You got a quarterback who's in the prime of his career. Listen, listen, the, the NFC, like, the, like, if you take out Jameis, if you take out Jameis Winston and, and scam Newton, not Cam Newton, he's been scamming people. Damn, you're taking some shots today. Scam Newton. I tell people, listen, me and my dad, my dad's a Bucks fan. We talked about it. And I said, listen, the one thing we agree on is that it's Scam Newton. It ain't Cam Newton. He's, a, he's been scamming people. Like, folks, I said it when he got jumped out of Auburn. You know what I said? Give him three years to develop. Oh, he's developed. You know what he can't do? Throw accurately. So, listen. Uh, listen, but I, I still say those things decline because the, what I will say about Carolina is that their defense will protect and they will save them. Yeah. Their defense will protect and they will save them. But I just think the Saints, just because the NFC overall is kind of in a decline, and I think Drew Brees is getting older. It's the same logic that you used with Tom Brady. At some point, at some point, I think that, and I, and then I'm a, I think father time catches up with everybody. And I think with Drew Brees, I think at some point, I think it's going to fall off. And you know what? I got the Chicago Bears, and the Chicago Bears to me, they can go one of two ways. They can end up, I'm a, and I, since I, we love '90s music references here, or music references, they could end up being like Eminem. They could be so great for a long time, or they could be like Snow or uh, Vanilla Ice. They could be one-hit wonders. <laughs> because here's the thing. When, I tell people, when remember when Vanilla Ice and Snow and Foam, yeah, remember all that stuff? Yeah. Every, everybody loved it. But then they realized, holy shit, they don't have a second song. Yeah. They don't have a, it was a concert lasted five minutes. Yep. And the rest, well, you know, hopefully they had some cheerleaders there because there was nothing else of entertainment value. And that's the way I feel about the Chicago Bears. I like Matt Nagy, but you know what? Mitch Trubisky, folks. Listen, has he improved under Matt Nagy? Yes. But once again, my question is, listen, I love Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers will not have the bad year he did last year. In fact, he played better on the back end of the season than he did in the first, kind of like Felipe Franks did. He played better in the back half of the season. Mike McCarthy's not there. I think even even with the Minnesota Vikings, I trust the defense more than I trust Kirk Cousins. And I'm not going to that speech. I did that once before. But the Chicago, they, they don't have a kicker. They're 27th in kicking percentage. They don't yeah, have that, 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 that kicker fact, is that, that's going to hurt. However, the one weapon that Chicago has that I think was very underutilized last season is Trey Burton, tight end. Yeah. Exactly. That dude, and we know as Gator fans, we know how great he is. That dude's a, for God's sake, he caught the pass in the Super Bowl. Like, folks, you put him in the right sit, folks. He's Mr. Trickeration. Yep. You you use that dude, he's he's a tight end listed, but sure, he plays like a, that's a, another receiver on the field. And he can throw. And he can, and the guy has an arm. And this is what I say. I think they take us, not a huge step back, but what I will say is this. And look, I, you know, I stand by the fact when I say is that, listen, they're either going to be Eminem or they're going to be Vanilla Ice this year. Can they come back and give me a 12 and four season? I don't see that happening because when everybody figures you out, they start planning for you. Yep. Agreed. So now that we covered the regression, what, what teams do you think are going to progress? Progress. Uh, number one, hands down Pittsburgh. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I know that sounds crazy. Again, Big Ben ain't getting any younger. However, all of the bullshit in Pittsburgh is gone. Yeah. Antonio Brown is now Oakland's problem. Le'Veon yeah. Bell is now my problem in New York. Um, Juju has been a, a weapon that was very underutilized because of AB. It's, it's Juju's time to shine. Uh, another weapon that is severely underrated, but always came through in the clutch when big Ben needed him. Vance McDonald tight end. Yeah. That man is consistency to the key. I think with the drama gone, I think that they're going to improve. I I definitely see, uh, will they make the playoffs? You know, I, they'll have a winning season. I think they might get in on a wild card. I don't see them being a Super Bowl winner, but I definitely see a situation being set up where possibly a new quarterback can get in there, learn from Ben, and uh, and kind of carry on that Steeler legacy that they have. Um, another team, you touched on them. They're your, they're your boys, the Falcons. I think the Falcons are going to be on the rise this year. I think their defense has improved. I think that middle linebacker... He is the key to success. That man in that L.A. game was just running amuck on them. Yeah, I that, think that, that was that was sexy to watch. Yeah, you know, between Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, you know, another person who is severely underrated in that receiver core is Mohamed Sanu. Yeah, exactly. That no, man, no, he, he that. is another sleeper agent. No one pays attention to him. That dude, again, I'm going to revert back to fantasy football. That dude bailed me out of a lot of bad situations. Um, if they can get that defense on key, which I think they will, they've got a run game. They've got a great quarterback. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm picking Matty Ice up in, in, the, in the league that I'm in with you. Um, I saw that I was so pissed. I'm yeah, like, hey, man, I'm not stupid. He was available. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, an, I'm like, damn. And I, but you know what? I looked at, cause look, I have my draft. I, I used the, um, I forgot, I used the uh, fantasy football list and I could, I kind of, you know, Try to be Belichick esque, but and then I said, well, Matt Ryan was available at the, and then I said, oh crap, because the way the way the draft work is like, you know, this, and I'm like, oh, by the time I was like ten picks away, and I'm like, I'm not gonna get him, so I had to, I didn't say reach, but I got Russell Wilson, so I didn't do terrible. Russell Wilson's consistent. That some bitch can run. He's got some feet on him. He's got Tyler Lockett out there. I think we're good. Um, but to go back to the list, you know, the other people I think that are on the rise. And I know this is going to sound crazy, but we're going to see is Cleveland Browns. They got a lot of new faces in a lot of new places. Uh, Baker Mayfield at the helm. You know, you've got, uh, you know, when Kareem Hunt gets back off suspension, that boy's going to come with a double without a cause. Um, you know, you're going to, they, they've got a lot of weapons. Now let's see if, if they can be the Browns 2.0 and actually win, or if they're just going to revert back to the, the shit storm that they always have been. Um, I, I see them doing something this season. And then last but not least on, on the on the rise, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You got Jimmy G back at full steam ahead. You know, he's got a repaired knee. The dude got a bum deal. He, you know, blew his ACL out, I believe. Uh, and then also McKinnon, he was out. He got out in preseason. So you lost your, your running back and your quarterback really before you could even make any connections and stability. Um, I believe now, you, you know, again, I don't see them winning a Super Bowl. I see them winning more than four games. You know, I, I definitely think they're on the rise. And then, you know, uh, the curveball, which I'm going to call, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this one as, as the, 
the Andy Pettit 12-6 curveball that starts behind you and drops at your at your belly button. Oh man, it's a sexy one of the best curveball I've ever seen. Yep. New York Jets. I know again, I know it sounds biased. Sam Darnold played a hell of a season with what he had last year. We had Austin McGuire, which is a a, a good running back, but not great. We have a great running back now. Everyone's going to say he's got some ring rust on him. I foresee him administrating the ass beating that Nate Diaz did last week in the UFC card. <laughs> and there will be no such thing as ring rust. Bell will get out there and perform, which will open the play action up and allow Darnold to use his strength, which is that, that howitzer cannon attached to him. We've got Robbie Anderson out there. We've got, we've got a, a modest receiving core that they're all young that we can grow from our defense I don't know if you watched that hit that they laid out uh, uh, on New Orleans the other night, but Jamal Adams just just put that kid into another dimension. The defense is there. Uh, I think the offense is starting to come. I see us being, you know, a sixth sixth win team. Seven. I'll even maybe go on a stretch if we can get lucky and and Tom Brady starts failing. Possibly be an eight and eight program. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Because two of your teams I have. I'm going to start with the one. It's the San Francisco 49ers. This is what I say about San Francisco. They had a bad season because Jimmy G got hurt. Let's be clear. Absolutely. It, I, it wasn't because, like most teams, well, the talent was bad. Look, Marquise Goodwin, you know, they had talent. Even the defense. And I stress that the defense was pretty good. And but here's and the thing is, and I always and we talked about the business. I trust John Lynch, I trust Kyle Shanahan, and I trust Jimmy Garoppolo, because that to me is the triumvirate in any business. You gotta have you, it starts at the top. Those are the three most important faces, even if you want to include the owner. So the four most important faces, I trust them. Well, three of the four, the York guy, anyway. But I, <laughs> I, I trust, like, you know, Meatloaf said two out of three ain't bad. Here, three out of four ain't bad. And this is what I say. Kyle Shannon, he was our offensive coordinator at, at Atlanta. He knows how to call plays. He understands offense. John Lynch, Hall of Fame defensive player. Uh, he should be in the Hall of Fame. That's a whole different discussion. But getting, they got six, they had six years to figure this out. And they're about halfway in, in, and they're going to figure it out. Listen, drafting Solomon Thomas, drafting all that defense. So you got somebody who understands offense. They went, they basically pulled a sewage folly and got a second round, gave him a second round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. Belichick was, that was like, you know, that was a sewage folly. When we screwed with Alaska, like, how do we let how that happen? That's go go ask New England. How do you give up? A second round, you could have got it first. There's no doubt about it. You get Jimmy G, you pay Jimmy G. This team in, in the NFC, and listen, and in, in my top teams, listen, I had them rank 20th. And that's simply because of the teams in their division. When you have to play Seattle twice, twice, twice a year, you got to play the Rams twice a year. You know, and the Cardinals, yeah, they're there. But when you got to play Seattle and the Rams twice a year, you know that makes, that makes days. That makes for some really long days. Exactly, and then you know, and I look at I trust, and this, and the two teams on the rise are in the same division, the Bills and the Jets. I told people this, and I said on the podcast, 
Look out more so for the Jets because I've always been high. And you know this. I've always been high on Sam Darnold. I always said that his career will project better than Baker Mayfield. And people looked at me and said I was an idiot. No, folks. Sam Darnold fits New York personality. He fits. You're, you're, he understands football. He's the, I'm not saying Baker Mayfield's an idiot, but Sam Darnold understands football. I saw him at USC. He was USC. And I'm surprised that the Browns didn't take him. Maybe they wanted to go a different route. Personality, and I get it. And they went out and invested the hell out of defense, the Jets did. They, listen, they got Quentin Williams, the third overall pick. I could argue he was the best overall prospect in the whole draft. I could definitely agree with that. You know, maybe him, Josh Allen. You know, I could argue that Quentin Williams was the best prospect, and they got him at three. And I stress to people, look, the only thing that pisses me off about the Jets is Adam Gase. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was a, a a very shocking call. He did not do well in Miami. Um, he and people call him the quarterback whisperer because he did develop some some quarterbacks. Um, I I don't know. I don't have a lot of confidence going into the season with Adam Gase, but. I'm going to give the guy a fair opportunity. Um, you know, I, I think that Todd Bowles was a good coach. I just don't think he had command of the locker room. Yeah, and you uh, know, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. He let you know he let Jaw Jack and Gino get his mouth busted in the in a locker room over 600 bucks. Um, you know, uh, uh, Muhammad Wilkerson running amok in the locker room. You got to be able to control your troops on the field and off the field. He had a hard time doing that. I think that Bulls wanted to be a friend. It's, it's like parents. You, you get these kids that run butt fucking wild. Uh, the parents try to be their friend and not their parent. Yep. And that's the situation that that happened in, in his demise. You're Plus, asking- I think Bulls is an offensive-minded co- uh, a coach. Defensive, the man is a genius, but offense, he just, he did not do well. Hopefully with Gase, because we have a standing defense, maybe he can light a fire, but you know, we also have playmakers now, you know, uh, a good running back, I think makes a world of difference. And I think, again, I'll agree with that with the bills. I'm not still, I'm not sold on him yet. And you know what? Here's the thing. This is what I like about the Jets. They went and got Greg Williams, you know, great defensive guy. And plus, they're playing in the 4-3, which I, that, that's the reason why Quentin Williams got drafted. Yep. Because, because of the new scheme. Because, and because with Greg Williams was the defensive coordinator slash head coach, what the hell you want to call him at Cleveland, when that whole thing went to crap. He, the defense in Cleveland, they were second in the league in takeaways. Yep. And they got Greg Williams, and then, like you say, Jamal Adams, and once Marcus May gets up, Folks, all day May for Bavard County. Exactly, and I tell people, go. I tell people what I thought. I, I talked about it when it comes to the Jets. I tell people they got the quarter. They figured out the most important position on the field. And, and you know what? Somebody. Oh, and this is a funny story. So when I released my list of the top NFL teams, guess who commented on it? Oh, our of course. Buddy, yeah. our, our buddy Derek. Because I had his Denver Broncos, I talked about in the pocket, I had them ranked 26th. So I basically thought six teams were better. So 
And and essentially, and this is if he listens to this, and this is why. Do you trust Joe Flacco? Not anymore. Uh, Joe Flacco is he was great when he was great. Some people have a hard time letting go. Um, you know, look at the, you know, I, I don't know if you cover mixed martial arts on here. Chuck Liddell. Chuck Liddell was arguably one of the best light heavyweight title fighters in UFC history. Absolutely. And the man just did not know when to let go. And he just got embarrassed his last few fights. And it hurt to watch because by far he is my absolute favorite UFC fighter of all time. I even got to meet the guy in person once and he was a really cool dude. Um, but long story short, Flacco just, he should have retired. Uh, what's his face there at Baltimore took over, did some damage. Um, Denver's in a dire need of a quarterback right now. Uh, Flacco is, is a, a, a bandaid for something that needs cauterization and probably stitches. Exactly. Yeah. And Denver has a great team. They got a good defense. They've got potential. It's just I don't see Flacco being the the problem solver for a quarterback. You know, I don't want to see Denver do bad, but at the same time, it might not be the worst idea to maybe sink a couple games, get a first-round pick. There's going to be some quarterbacks, I think, going into the draft this year. They might not be Kyler Murray status, but um, we'll see what happens with that. But, yeah, Den- Denver, I was looking at your list. I, I think that's a pretty fair assessment of uh, – uh, of where the, the, the Broncos should be because there's definitely some teams that are behind them that, that are going to be pretty terrible. But And there's also a couple teams up front that I think that might be moved back. But, hey, you know what? It's your list, you know. Yeah. Oh, you've yeah. Got, yeah. You've, got some, you've got some educated uh, hy- hypotheses behind it. So, But, hey, man, it is what it is. And, and, and the thing is, I appreciate that. And because, like I said, you come at it today, too. The the thing is, with Adam Gase, and I stress this, Mike McCarthy was out there. And Mike McCarthy said, if I'm not mistaken, he would, you know, because the Cleveland Browns, like dope, they settled for a tight end named Freddie Kitchens, and that's the kitchen I don't want to be in this season. And, and I say, you know, oh, Mike McCarthy to the Jets makes a lot of sense. Young quarterback. You know, yep. people, people understand, Mike McCarthy, listen, he drafted, and this is the funny story, he drafted Alex Smith over Aaron Rodgers. That's the life's sweet irony. Yep. But he knows how to work with quarterbacks. You know, he got of a situation in Green Bay where he was not wanted. Go to the Giants, excuse me, go to the Jets. They get Adam Gase. And, I, and listen, I like Woody Johnson. Woody. Woody. Here, here's the offensive numbers. These were the offensive stats in the three seasons under Adam Gase. In order, they were 24th, 25th, 31st. That's the guy you hire. I know. Over over a Super Bowl winning coach. Yep. But it starts at our front office with uh, McCagnan. Yeah, that, that that McCagnan. I have. I mean, you've seen it on Facebook and and Instagram and Twitter. I have. I have very vocally and written ad- addressed my concerns with McCagnan's decision making for certain situations, including the 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 coach. I I hope that Gase performs, but when you got a coach like McCarthy just sitting out there, I mean, I I I, I can't even figure out an equivalent to 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 do that 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 would be the equivalency i would almost say of um 
uh, Julio Jones just saying, I'm done with Atlanta, uh, piss off, give make me a free agent, and then nobody picks him, and he goes and plays in, like, the Canadian Football League. Exactly. You're like, well, wait a minute. And, and, and that's the one. And that, but I do believe that the Jets did enough defensively, and they did out and added some pieces. Like Le'Veon Bell, the Jets, the Jets were 26th in the league in rushing. Their leading rusher was Isaiah Crowell. No, yeah, Crowell. I forgot about him. 685 yards the whole season, the entire season. So yeah, they got Le'Veon Bell. And listen, and I tell people, and 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 like I said, and my five words for that was Sam Darnold got he got a Bell. Listen, that dude needs support. You, I tell people, you got to treat your quarterback like cargo. You got the franchise dude in Sam Darnold. And listen, if they can take, if Darnold can take that next step in the way that I think he can, like you said, with, with Robbie Anderson, a.k.a. Marlon Wayans, can take that next step, I tell people, I, I tell people, do not be shocked if they become a 6-7 win team. I say, like, Adam, get, listen, at some point, talent can be better than coaching. That might be the case. I, I wholeheartedly agree. If Adam Gates does not screw the pooch on this, and listen, and, and then came out vocally and said, I wouldn't pay for Le'Veon Bell, nobody asked you. Yeah. <laughs> Shut like, up. Like, 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 oh, it's like, okay, folks. It's like asking OJ for legal defense. All right, nobody asked you. All right? <laughs> like, nobody asked you. Like, <laughs> Uh, OJ, who you was the attorney? I don't know. Johnny's dead. I, I got nothing. Yeah. Dershowitz is old. I got nothing. Yeah. So and and th- and those are my, but like with Buffalo, my biggest question mark with Buffalo is Josh Allen, because I like I think that's why he went. I think he went undrafted in our fantasy league, because yeah. I don't think I trust the fact they went and got Cole Beasley. They went out and they went. And they you know, they had Tay Jones still. They have a whole stable of running backs. That, they added Frank Gore to all, to LaShawn McCoy. They got talent, but Josh Allen, and that and now there's a reason why he kind of fell in the draft because, a yeah his health you know but I just look at it and look at look at the tape moves at Wyoming and I go he has the arm, but my and I always say this and I talk about this with Blake Bortles, are you can be a quarterback from the neck down but you gotta be a quarterback from the neck up. Yep. And, I, and I tell people that's the difference between Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield is, is that they could be one of the same dude. But I think Sam Darnold from a quarterback, he's a quarterback from the neck up, because at some point that's what keeps you in the league longer. It's from the neck up. You got to be smart. It's why Brett Favre played a billion years in the league. Neck up. I can hardly agree with that. And, and speaking of and speaking of quarterbacks, I do want to talk about. One of the last things I want to talk about, I do want to talk about your thoughts on Andrew Luck and his retirement. You know, it was shocking, but it wasn't. I um, Andrew Luck's a hell of an athlete, and a lot of people are saying, you know, I was going, uh, social media is, is, is they're, it's tough, man. Yeah. I feel bad for politicians, sports figures. Uh, you know, thank God Michael Jordan didn't have, or Patrick Ewing didn't have, uh, Facebook on their ass in the nineties because I <laughs> promised more people would have got punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, or Dennis Rodman for that matter. Cause I could see him throwing out an ass whooping in, in the, in the middle of a second quarter and, uh, in the, in the bulls arena. Um, but Andrew luck, 
it's going to sound cheesy. He just wasn't lucky. Uh, he had a good offensive line that protected him. I think part of it was he held on to the ball too long, and he he just he tried he tried threading that needle too many times, and the needle got him. Some people are just injury prone, uh, and injuries will will you know again we were talking about Brock Lesnar earlier. Pound for pound, I think Brock Lesnar is probably one of the best UFC heavyweight fighters. The man was 265 pounds at weigh in. But moved like he was two oh five. Yeah. He was fast. He was he could hit hard. He could wrestle. He could take you down to the ground. I watched him just body slam people and just lay on top of them and punch their face until they they quit. Um, unfortunately, injury subdued him. Um, the uh, uh, UCF quarterback. I think injury is going to subdue him. I don't see him. Uh, becoming anything of relevance. I, I, and I hope to God the kid gets back. I saw the interview during halftime when they interviewed him about his knee and thank, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see he's got a speedy recovery. He's got all the nerve issues fixed, but he's going to become susceptible people uh, that, that those nagging injuries will catch up with you. And uh, I think it caught up with luck. And I think he sat down probably with his family and made a decision that, hey, I can go out and I can continue to play uh, and risk more injury. Or, you know what, I can just call it quits now. He's, what, 20, 28 years old, 29 years old, I believe? Yeah, 29, yep. 29. At 29 years old, the guy's a multimillionaire. He's got an engineering degree from Stanford. He could probably build a fucking robot to go out and play for him. Exactly. You know, uh, he he was a prime candidate of get out while the getting's good. Uh, there was a Florida Gator that went to high school with us, Joe Cohen. Yeah. Um, injury, you know, might have started getting the best of him. He made a decision to bug out. And, you know, he's living a very happy life of, uh, you know, definitely giving back to society. He does great work with the the, the camps he does with Reggie Nelson locally. Um, and I think that maybe that's the, the, the chart where Andrew Luck is going is he saw his body was not going to be able to handle it. RG three, another prime example, RG three, just, he got hung out to dry by his coach and they made him play injured. And I think the same thing with Andrew Luck, he played through an injury and it only got worse. And, you know, I guess before you end up crippled, you might want to walk away with the money. You know, you still got two arms, two legs, and a head, and you're upright. You know, you might lose a couple fans, and, you know, uh, it sucks for anyone who who drafted them. Yeah. But, again, that's why I'm – I, you know, um, I was actually talking with somebody in our league who runs a league that I'm in with him, and he wanted to do the draft earlier. I'm like, if if you're not drafting at, by the end of preseason, you're, you're fucking stupid – because preseason is a nasty place to be. You get a lot of injuries, stupid injuries at that, yeah. um, that will throw everything off. And, you know, I feel bad for the guys who drafted luck, for the, the, the league managers who did their draft so early. Shame on them. Um, in the words of whoever said it, it sucks to suck. Um, but... <laughs> You know, whatever Andrew Luck decides to do, best of luck to him, no pun intended. And, uh, you know, it, it, I hate to see him go, but don't forget, Indianapolis has Jacoby Brissett, and uh, he he played in New, the New England system for a little bit. Mm -hmm. He was a good star at NC State. He was actually a quarterback transfer from Florida. Yeah. So, 
Oh yeah, I remind people that I'm like, uh, <clears throat> so I tell people, listen, he knows how to play. He, in fact, he started. A, so he he has experience. Yep. So, and and you know what? You said everything that was right, because I think and like I want to say that. Listen, I like when you start your league because, because like around like around game three and four, they're sitting dudes. At at some point, like as far like game four, the preseason, nobody's playing. Every you know everyone's playing for jobs. Yep. All, all the starters are protected. Everyone's just playing for like the other maybe. 10, 15 roster spots that are up, you know, for their franchise. And, you know, what I will say about about Andrew Luck is, is, is that, listen, he played seven seasons. He had 23,671 yards, 171 touchdowns. He threw a lot of interceptions at 83. And he, but he only played 86 games. So, you know, he – I tell people – you know, and this this is some stats here. Listen, he was listen, he was he was tied with Troy Aikman and Aaron Rodgers with 20 game winning drives. He has just as many game winning drives as a Hall of Famer Troy Aikman, who I'm gonna talk about in a minute, because he ripped somebody on FS1, and that's why I love Troy Aikman. And his numbers speak for themselves. I think that he his career reminds me a lot of like I think what Jim Brown and Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson did. And like and to use another sports analogy, like we both love the hell out of baseball. It reminds me of King Griffey Jr. Where and I tell people about King Griffey Jr. that that was probably one of the best players I ever seen in my era. Absolutely. And I tell people, oh, what about Bonds? Ah, that's a whole different story. But the point is, if King Griffey Jr. wouldn't have had nagging hamstring injuries. He would have been the one to break Hank Aaron's record. I tell people, he had the sweetest that we talked about with Andy, you know, Pettit, that 12-6 curve. Go look at Griffey's, Griffey's swing. One of the one of the smoothest and most natural looking swings in Major League Baseball ever. You think that guy was hitting the tee off in Augusta and hitting yep. it down the fairway. He he was his swing was so natural. He played center field to me like Willie Mays, who was my all-time favorite player. Because he, you can hit, you can run, you do everything that the game asks you as a position player. You can hit, you can run, and you can bat. You can hit, you can run, and you can field. Yep. Those, those are the essentials, and he, he did all three of them in an, an immaculate way. I was actually in Cooperstown uh, on an assignment for work when they inducted him into the Hall of Fame. That was actually really cool to see. And I've actually been to Safeco Field now, uh, T-Mobile Park out in downtown Seattle. So I got to, got to at least pay a little bit of homage because they've got a nice little uh, Ken Griffey statue right out by the uh, the main gate. So he was he was a hell of a player. But again, that, that those nagging injuries, it, uh, Penny Hardaway, probably one of the best yeah. players oh on the Orlando God. Magic. Uh, you know, the, that ESPN 30 for 30, that hit home so and and the level of truth and it's the same thing with Andrew Luck is that if Penny would have never faced the injuries that he did Orlando at least would have one title I I, yeah you're right but unfortunately these these injuries nag um you know best of luck to Andrew um and then you know I'm curious to see what the Colts will do you know uh Mike Tyson said everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face well Indy yeah. just got punched in the face, so it's time to see what the, what their plan is. 
Jacoby Brissett could be the answer. Um, he's he has experience. He's played in a system. You know, let's he's always played under somebody. He played under people in Florida. He played under uh, people in New England. Now he. He's the captain of the ship. It's like uh, in Star Trek. You know, this is Captain Kirk's first voyage. Let's see what happens. Exactly. And, you know, I want to touch on like two, two more things. And with when it comes to the, I think the fans are being very disingenuous. And this is what I always say is, is that if you boo that man and, and this is not to put all the cult fans and this as a society we tend to want to put everybody in a group and say that they're one thing into a select when, few because of two people. Exactly. And, and I tell people, you have to be like, not everybody in a group is the same. And, and all Colt fans didn't feel the way about all Colt fans. Didn't boo them. This is what I say to Colt fans. You literally lucked into Andrew luck because you know what, the, you know what you guys were before he got there. You were two and 14 and you had to get Kerry Collins off an airplane yeah. from going to Hawaii. And his mind was in Maui while his ass was getting sacked. Yep. And and so you and and you got Andrew Luck. And mind you, and people saying, um, should they have kept Peyton? Shut up. Would you keep a dude who had chronic neck injuries? Yep. Over That's, over It's a major risk. And I'm like, so folks, at the end of the day, Jim Ursay, it was a pecuniary decision and it was a football decision because why would you give a dude 23 million dollars when you can get andrew luck at that time a rookie contract and save money listen you don't take that chance so all the people saying that at the people shut up and then secondly and this is the most important thing what were you guys and that's why i tell people andrew luck looked out like you say he talked to his wife he talked to his family because at some point you're going to start seeing a lot of players do this. It wasn't like that cornerback, that player for uh, the Bills. That dude quit at halftime. <laughs> that dude said, listen, it's Buffalo. I'm breathing my balls off. I'm out of here. here. <laughs> I'm like, screw like, you guys. I'm going home. Exactly. <laughs> that, he's like, look, that dude literally took his ball and went home. Yeah. It's not like he quit on his team. Yeah. <sighs> He, he made an informed decision probably after hours of conversation with his wife, his family, his agents, and probably the the front office. Things like this don't uh, they don't get press released on a shock factor. Now the dude with the bills quitting at halftime that he was just like fuck it, I'm out, see ya. Yeah, Andrew Luck probably sat down with his wife, or his wife sat him down. And was like, hey, I'm worried. The kids, whatever, blah blah blah. And then he went to his agent and was like, hey, blah, 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 the wife, the kids, da, da, da. The agent and uh, Luck probably went to the upper echelon of the Indianapolis organization and said, hey, blah, blah, blah. And they probably came to a mutual decision. I guess from what I've read, he's still getting a pretty hearty payout. So he didn't leave on completely terrible terms. But for the people to boo him, you know, it's the one thing that I absolutely hate in sports and I don't understand is that football, basketball, uh, you know, and even in baseball, you know, you get these nasty fans. I when I was at a game in in uh, Seattle of all places, which is supposed to be this really nice hipster, you know, vegan tree hugging town. The Yankees were in town. The Yankees are clearly a better team. Let's face it. Uh, 
this was right after we signed um oh what's his name he had dreadlocks. We picked him up from the Pittsburgh Pirates. He was, he oh, was oh, Andrew McCutcheon? McCutcheon. We picked McCutcheon up. McCutcheon's first time off the bat, first swing, puts one in the fucking stratosphere. So, of course, I'm in a Yankees jersey. I got my hat on. I'm cheering. This guy turns around and just, and just starts yelling at me, trying to pick a fight with me. Um, but it, it's sports, dude. It's, you know, it, don't don't take it so hard. Um, you know, another instance, I, I saw this morning the band director for the University of Florida got assaulted by a Miami fan. You yeah. Know, show, yeah some, thought... show some fucking class. Same thing with the people that are booing Andrew Luck. Show the, the man won you games. He did what he could for the organization. He can't help that his body isn't susceptible to hits as other people are. Enjoy the time you had, you know, and let it go. Somehow the fans and the players in these sports get all pissy with each other. But you go look at the UFC, and people are literally beating the shit out of each other. Legitimately. I mean, you were punching someone in the face for 15 to 25 minutes at a time. Uh, that that uh, Pettis-Diaz fight, those two dudes were jaw-jacking so hard before the fight, during uh, the, the pre-fight interviews, even in the ring before the, the, the referee said go. They beat the shit out of each other to a decision and they shook hands after how many times even conor mcgregor in his loud fucking mouth when he fought nate diaz and lost he shook nate diaz's hand and just you know they somehow and i don't understand is that in a combat sport where you're 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 literally trying to to knock somebody out or choke them out you can shake hands and be friends after but you get to professional, the other professional sports, the basketball, baseball, football, and, and you got fans acting like this. It's uncalled for. You know, let, let the guy retire right off into the sunset. Who knows? Maybe he'll be like Smoke and Jay. You'll give him a call. He'll give him $10 million and let him play a single season and maybe do something more than Jay Cutler did for the Dolphins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's say about Jay Cutler is listed. I've seen his wife. What were you thinking? Like, yeah. but like, there's just some calls you just don't answer. Yeah. Like, listen, it, it, it's like the bad signal. Listen, if it all worked out, look, honey, they want you to go out there. Yeah, I'm in a robe. I'm good. Yeah. So, but like to echo before we had the one thing that you said, and you and it was absolutely true, in combat sports, I say how in a sport that's so physical, they understand the sense of okay. Good, you know, good match. Good. And like I say, I remember at the end of a, and this was years ago. I don't know why my memory works this way. Thank God it does. The, it was a Jacksonville-Cleveland game when Jet, when Cleveland was still bad, folks. So, <laughs> and and I remember the game ending. They were throwing bottles on the field. And, and I'm sitting there going, like, folks, like this, you know, the one thing that I always say about sports and that is all you're it's about unity to a degree. Like, listen, even if you like with your story about the Yankee and, you know, with that story, I'm like, that dude's been a Manor fan. Of course, he's going to be pissed because the last time they were great, they couldn't get it done. All right. And, I, and I'll tell a Mariner fan, oh, you know what? When you had Griffin, you had, you had a team that went up, what, 117 wins? Yep. And how far did you get again? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're just like the San Diego Chargers. Yep. All right, 14-2. and two, And your kicker can Yeah, and your kicker pulls a Ray Finkel, and we're having a discussion. And I tell people, 
it, for Andrew Luck, it was, listen, this dude can do anything else with his career. You're seeing it a lot, especially in football. At the end of, you're seeing now the back end. Like, look at Junior Seau. You're starting to see how the game can take a toll on you. Steve Young, Aikman. That, the game can take a toll on you. Andrew Luck is 29. This dude wants to live to be 80. Okay? He keeps playing this game. He tried to come back for you chumps. All right? And he couldn't. And, you know, like Doug Gottlieb, another one of those FS1 chumps, basically he was filling in for Cowherd. And he basically said, you know what he said? He said he's retiring because, and this is this came from his Twitter, he's retiring because rehabbing is too hard is the most millennial thing to say. That's from Doug Gottlieb. <laughs> I didn't see that, but Jesus, that's that's harsh. That's and, and I'm like, so Doug Gottlieb. You left CBS Sports because that was, you know, I'm not going to get into that. You know what? But Troy Aikman, who works for Fox, this is what he said. That's total bullshit, Doug. What qualifies you to decide how someone should live their life? So you're now the authority on what motivates Andrew Luck. And if his decisions don't fit into what you think is best for him, you then you rip him. Guess that keeps you employed on FS1. Nice. Yeah. Listen, Troy Aikman said the same things we're saying. Look, if anybody knows about quarterback and injuries, it's Troy Aikman. <laughs> yeah, that dude's so, got more concussions than, than fingers and toes, probably. And this is before the concussion protocol, the, the safer helmets, and, and just when you could, I mean, you could all but pull a gun out and shoot a quarterback, and, and, and they wouldn't call anything. Exactly. And, and, like, to put a button on this, what I tell people is this. In your career, in your life, this is what I and I remember. I, I used to be a big fan of late night TV. Not so much now. For I'm not gonna get into that. That's a whole. That's a podcast we can do another day. But, <laughs> but like with Johnny Carson, and I was watching Johnny Carson did a PBS. I love watching, and it was like a PBS documentary, like American Mass, something like that. And he talked about timing. He talked about he could have did the Tonight Show another five, ten years and got paid. The man only worked four day, four nights a week toward the back end of his career. But he said that he remembered George Burns, you know, the great comedian. He remembered having someone to prop him up to do comedy. And that's when he said, I don't want to do I don't want to be like him. I yep. want to I want to be able to walk out off that stage. I want to be able to walk off. And Johnny Carson left under his own terms. That's no different. That's what we all want to do with our careers. We all want to be like, you know what? I can walk off, go on vacation more. This is why I tell people, Andrew Luck is 29. Andrew Luck is not that much younger than we are. Andrew Luck, 29, he has an engineering degree. He went to Stanford. He's smart. If he doesn't go into broadcasting, this dude can definitely go somewhere and teach. He has a second career. And I tell people, you're just pissed at him because you're pissed about fantasy football. You're pissed about things that his family could give two fucks about. Yep. This was all about him living to be 80. At the end of the day, and I stress this to anybody, if you don't want to do something with your life, 
don't complain. Don't moan about it. Change it. Because at some point, especially when you have the control to change it, Andrew Luck left the game that he loved because he loved his family. Yep. And at the end of the day, it doesn't hurt to get the money that he made either. What kind, you know, not many jobs in the world where you can say you've worked all these years and you get to walk out with the check and still making money. I tell people, at the end of the day, you're pissed at Andrew Luck for all the wrong reasons. And I stress to people, I'm not talking to those fans who support Andrew Luck. I'm talking about the bums who booed Andrew Luck. I'm talking about the bums who burned jerseys after nonsense. You're like, oh, when, when LeBron left Miami, left Cleveland the second time. Oh, we're going to boo him. He gave you a fucking championship. Yeah. Get off the nuts. Exactly. Were you going to win a championship with Brad Doherty and Mark Price? You did. Oh, yeah. Craig Elo? Yeah. Jordan, the guy? Yeah. Yeah. No, not him either. Clearly, listen, I tell people, when you're able to leave on your own terms, they're your terms. When LeBron said he accomplished his goal, he brought a championship to that city, that was his job. He came back and he did it. Andrew, Andrew Luck, he played. He came back and played even when he was hurt and was and played as well as he could. And for Doug Gottlieb, Mr. F, the same dude, Oklahoma State guy who couldn't cut in the NBA. You don't understand, like Troy Eggman said, you're that's bullshit. How's it? Listen, there are a lot of millennial things. And first of all, I don't feel they should lump us into that nonsense. <laughs> like, look, there's millennials and then there's us. Like, folks, like Andrew Luck, that's not a millennial thing. That's a that's thinking 20, 30 years time. Yeah, that's that's a long term thing, which, you know, the the quote unquote millennial doesn't do. And and I'm like. And and I tell you, I'm I'm old. I said, when you look at his number, listen, Barry Sanders, he played 10 years because he said, I'm tired of playing the team that that doesn't want to build around me. Yep. Jim Jim Brown said the same thing for Cleveland. I'm not yep. gonna Calvin Johnson. You reach a point in your career where you're like, I'm done. Yeah. Be- because you're like, listen, these dudes left. Like Jim Brown retired when he was 29. Why? Because he he said, I want to be a movie star. Yep. I listen, Vince McMahon with, with the WWE. That's why The Rock left. Yep. The Rock wanted to walk out. And he made the Scorpion King. Eh, but he made a movie nonetheless. He, and now he's the one, the biggest box office draws in the world. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, he's injury prone. Probably one of the best tight ends ever uh, next to Tony Gonzalez. And he was a, a prime physical specimen. His body just couldn't take the abuse. Everyone is built differently. And unfortunately, it was just Andrew Luck's time. But thankfully, he realized it before it was too late. So like you said, the longevity, you know, he's, he's, he's playing the long game. Not the he's living for tomorrow, not rushing through today. Exactly. And that's exactly it, man. You know what, man? I thank you so much for talking. We talked about everything because you know what? I think this is the episode. This is the episode right here, because I think we covered everything. We talked about everything. Because like I say, and I tell people once and again, this dude knows his sports. You heard it. And we talked a lot of pop culture. We threw in a lot of stuff. So. And I, I thank you so much, Chris. If you want to do this again, man, please let me know because I'd Absolutely. love to have Absolutely, I'd... man. We can, let's, we can definitely jive something together in the schedules. I think of fantasy football since we're both actually in the same goddamn division again this year. Yeah, how uh, – you know what? I saw that and I said – you know, in a quick story before we go, 
I saw, because, like, I saw the thing, they have, like, the report cards. I saw, you know, Chris, you know, this fucking guy, he got an A minus. <laughs> I said, you saw who's on top. I'm like, I'm like, first of all, when this fucking guy became Belichick, when this, this guy's just finding, and I'm looking like, and, then, and listen, to be fair, I'm like, when I got drafted 10th, I'm like, there's no, there's, you know, I really, you know what, yeah, this is a quick point before we go. Why was everybody drafting quarterbacks so high? Uh, well, you know, I I actually I put a post out, and I, I, I you might not have seen it on the uh, inside the chat. And if you remember last year, we decided. Uh, well, you were new to the league last year, but the year before, and I and I put a reminder in that my the league that I run, I try to have a little bit more fun with it mm-hmm. to not make it just about running backs. I mean, yes, it is a PPR league, yeah, but just like in the NFL, uh, a quarterback is important. So I I up the point statutes on that to where they're getting. Uh, uh, 40 yard plus throws, 40 yard plus touchdowns. You're getting the extra points. Um, I, you know, I, I, I guess as they say in the comedies, did you not get the memo? <laughs> yeah, I didn't get the memo because I'm looking at my draft sheet and I'm like, I got it all planned out because I didn't know where. Because full discretion, I didn't know where I was going to be picking at. I had no idea. So I knew I wasn't going to be. I knew it wasn't going to be like top five. I knew that. But I said, you know. I'm going to go in and like, and the guys and like they said, and the only thing they said I reached for was the tight end. And I'm like, okay, okay, Yahoo. But and like I said, I saw this dude in the top and I'm like, and then, and then I found out you're in the same division and I'm like, ah, shit. Yeah. I said, <laughs> I'm like, it would have been like, I forgot who it was. It got the D minus, but I'm like, yikes, because I'm looking, cause like I say, it was a tough draft this year. What made it tough, but like, of course, the Andrew Luck stuff, but I think what made it tough was that I knew going in who I wasn't going to draft. But it was a matter of falling into place. And with any draft, that's what's all about falling into place. But like I say, I was shocked that Calvin Ridley was, I think I got him in like the third or fourth round. And I was shocked because I was focusing on Bywood. Somebody got screwed in our league with that. Because they were looking at, oh, I'm drafting all these dudes. And then I think it was like somebody in week nine is going to be really screwed. If I can play that guy, that would be great. Yeah, but, that's a, so that's actually our league champion uh, is the one that 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 stacked himself. Uh, he got he was he got second place in our draft uh, on a B plus, And then you came in fourth with a B. Um, it's it's going to be very, very interesting, I think. Because you know what? They're, um, the guy that came in last place with a D... Uh, is actually my best friend, uh, and he. Oh no, scratch that. I'm sorry. Um, the one that came in D, she's actually in our league, so you you're gonna be playing her. Show me your TDs. Um, but there were a couple people at the bottom end of the draft that was in that C and D bracket that it was just a, a luck of the draw that the you know they're gonna be able to go to the waiver wire and and wheel and deal and then also get some trades. But yeah, our our division is stacked because you got the league champion and and our division. You got me in the division and you, um, and then we got a newcomer, uh, uh, CJ the Snow Bunny Slayer, and uh, he he ain't no slouch. Uh, he he made some moves. He knows what he's doing. It's gonna be an interesting season. I would definitely love to come back on and we can we can uh, you know we can break that down and uh, and go, and go about that maybe uh, on the next episode or something. Absolutely. Just let me know when your schedule works. And like I say, I do tutoring, so it's online, so I can flex things around. Awesome, man. So uh, nice to have you on, Chris. And once again, thank you, man. I hope you come back on again.
Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. And go Gators. Go Gators. All right. Love you, man. Love you, man. See you. All righty. And folks, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sports and the World. And once again, I hope you guys enjoyed the interview as much as I did. It really wasn't much of an interview. It was a conversation. We talked about a great number of things. Once again, you know, I always enjoy enjoyed him and our friendship. And more importantly, I thank you thank him for taking his time out of his day and his talents. And hopefully we'll get him back on the show real soon and maybe have a recurring thing. Because I absolutely love and everything, his input, everything was on the money. And he's on the money. Well, folks, until I hear your voice and you hear mine again, be real, be you, and be blessed. And enjoy the rest of your day and every day here on Sports in the World, Football Edition.